What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 89th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, we're going to not only predict uh, who's going to win the Oscars this coming Sunday, if you're listening to this uh, in real time, uh, but we're going to be- not, this episode will be completely useless to you. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it'll be a time capsule. That seems to be the running joke for, you know, dating uh, each and every episode we do. Um, but also, I think that it's going to be uh, fun just to kind of wrap up this season once and for all. You know, it's it's been a long awards run in a very strange year, given the circumstances and- uh, it feels like uh, we're finally ready to close the book on that, and I'm excited just to get over it. <laughs> it's it's crept up on me and also feels like the longest thing ever, right? Like, uh, part of me is like, oh, shit, yeah, the Oscars are this weekend when I was, like, prepping this week of content and stuff. Originally, we were going to do this on the 88th draft, but then classic us. We talked for two and a half hours before we, even got, to the, uh, before we even got to the topic. So we thought we'd, you know let's this will still probably be an hour or however long probably three um but we'll go through and we'll we'll do our predictions of who we think will win and maybe we'll talk about who we want to win and things like that as well um but yeah it it, obviously a weird year um you know right after the oscars last year you know parasite won best picture it was thrilling it was exciting everyone got what they wanted not everyone but a lot of people got what they wanted um right after that we entered a global pandemic uh barely any movies came out um um, they had to change all the rules to allow streaming movies to be uh, accepted. Uh, the date got pushed back. So we're having the Oscars now in April, which is very late, um, uh, almost in May even. And it's just a very weird year. I will echo those statements. Uh, it's, uh, But then again, we've talked about it. And obviously, we're, we've seen the majority of these movies. Uh, we've seen everything that's been nominated for Best Picture, at least, and, and all the major categories. But um, still a good crop of movies when we were talking about even the nominations when they first came up, where like I would hold this group of you know Best Picture nominees against any other. And I don't think you necessarily, unless you really dive deep into what didn't come out this year, what got pushed or what this could have looked like if it was a normal year. Like I still think that group of group of nominees minus a few movies, which we talked about on the last show uh, of the ones that, you know, the consensus doesn't really love. Like you love Mank. I don't really care. Oh, I don't for, love uh, Mank. I respect sorry, you, Mank. You, en- you enjoy Mank or you respect it. Um, uh, but that being said, Mank and Trial of the Chicago 7, for me, are those two outliers. But everything else, and even then, like you understand why both of those movies are in that best picture category. And I don't know. I would hold a screenshot of these movies, and I don't think you'd go, oh, there's that was a weird year. I think some movies got a boost because of it being a weird year, which is the silver lining um, of things. So, the democracy um, of award season. Yeah. So I feel like maybe, you know, a sound of metal or a promising young woman or a Minari or a nomad land. Like, I mean, I'm Judas sure and the black Messiah, even. Judas and the black Messiah. Like a lot of these movies might not have been there if it wasn't a normal year or even like Maria, uh, Bakalova in, in Borat and stuff like that. Like there are or even Borat, the and, movie itself and what it yeah. is versus like yeah. what it could have been. Yeah. So I feel like there is a lot and we'll go through everything of like what 
things got a boost because it was because of the situation and how, you know, this is just like any other Oscar year. It just feels a little bit more drawn out, which the award season is already pretty drawn out. Yeah. So. I mean, we usually complain like anytime, like, you know, the award season, like, especially when, when the Oscars make their announcements. And if it's at like, you know, the end of March, everybody's like, Oh, like we got to wait this long to get to it because like usually, you know, you see the same group of winners over and over and over again at every award ceremony, but obviously even the award ceremonies this year have been quite different. And I haven't, to be honest, I haven't tuned into any of them. Like, I just thought like, I don't need to watch somebody accept an award via zoom i mean it's great that they win and the movie is represented but you could just see the the pdf press release after exactly and it's kind of like you know again there's maybe it leads to some interesting moments with like technical difficulties or just sort of watching you know again jeff daniels at home and his spare bedroom (laughs) uh accepting award after you know making a run at home depot um but jason sudeikis's hoodie is always a one for me yeah it but overall like it's it's an award season i haven't really been invested in and and maybe i have been somewhat apathetic towards it i mean award season in general is silly because you know what constitutes as the best film of the year even when it is a movie like parasite that wins best picture which is great but at the same time it's like ultimately it doesn't really matter it's just fascinating to talk about it in terms of almost like a sports mentality or you know the way i still think it's fun i'll stand oh, by no um, that, but that's what i mean like it's fun to have these conversations but don't take and, it too seriously yeah, and see like, what gets nominated or see like what what tracks like i always find that that's interesting as well like what is considered awards worthy and what is not considered awards worthy and how does that work and like what dictates that and how does you know a film make that journey from you know critical acclaim to awards and prestige like it's it's always fascinating how that transition works for some movies better than others and what is declared that early on even before having seen it like if it's a big name filmmaker like someone like david fincher where i feel like okay like the narrative was created even before people saw the film okay he's making well, a film once, about hollywood yeah he's make, he hasn't check made mark yeah, yeah he hasn't directed a movie since gone girl <laughs> another and, check yeah it's gonna be in black and white it's like check, you yeah. know like it's an old there's those boxes film. you can tick off but i also feel like that comes with you know that you know quote-unquote prestige film i think comes from going to the dance a few times right like once now you know once barry jenkins won you know for for moonlight every movie after that is going to have this kind of allure to it of being like well this could be an awards contender or something like that right where i don't think anyone was necessarily thinking of moonlight in that light haha well, nobody nobody like, saw really light on the radar yeah, at that point it was, I mean. the, it was the film but that kind of came out of nowhere and that's what's the most fun about award season but then you get that big crop of movies well once you've been there a few times then there are those expectations that you are making a movie that could potentially be an oscar contender because you've either been nominated for best director or you have these actors that have won multiple oscars or things like that or like you said it's about either how the movie was made or um who is in it or um what the movie's about right like if a movie's about hollywood and it comes out near the end of the year then you're probably going like that could be a <laughs> an oscar contender if it's you know got an interesting production uh design to it um when it comes to you know the overall kind of everyone involved then uh you know it's probably going to be there and and 
if it's black and white or the four by three stuff or the, you know, some sort of not gimmick. I don't want to use the word, but a lot of times for Oscar Beatty stuff, it is a gimmick in it. They're or it not feels like, like it's a novelty again if it yeah, hasn't been used in such a, a word, long yeah. time, right? Like yeah. the idea of doing like the four by three or, now oh, kind of just, feels really tired. And well, it's, it's just like, A24. Yeah, it's, doing. it's become a, a joke. <laughs> Uh, but when it was first kind of happening again, like people were really excited about it because it's it's something like it's 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 a choice to to make. But now, like you're even seeing people like Zack Snyder do it for his director's cut of of Justice League, and you're just kind of like, okay, well now he's using it. Now it's it, it doesn't have the same kind of like cachet or, or meaning anymore. But weirdly, it's like attributed to a bigger thing with the IMAX aspect ratio, but because it came out on HBO Max, it was a home a video viewing experience so it didn't really make sense to be that unless you have a tube tv which you wouldn't notice and then it looks like you're just being pretentious and then i mean again i love a24 but uh, we used we would poke fun at them being like you shoot your movie in four by three somewhat a24 is running to your front door with a not a dump truck of money but you know like a small van you're gonna get distribution (laughs) yeah (laughs) a small van of money is pulling up to your house going like we'll release your movie but it is interesting just talking about the idea of like entitlement and, and and or like how those conversations are created like is it created by people within the industry or is it created by people like us or or journalists like where does that come from and where does it become a reality or where where doesn't become a reality because sometimes you know like the 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 narrative that's created early on for a film doesn't always kind of follow through and then sometimes it does like we keep talking about mank but mank is nominated for 10 awards i think it is a really good movie in terms of the quality of filmmaking and 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 everything but also at the same time i have no passion for the film it's it's weird like like especially when it comes like fincher's movies are very cold and calculated and and controlled to the nth degree but like sometimes when Fincher makes a movie, it, it just clicks like the social network yeah. or seven or Zodiac. But and with this me, movie, I, even I was, gone girl for yeah, me, which yeah. didn't really, but there was, there was, there was a bite to those movies where this is almost like, I respect the form more so than anything else, but I'm not passionate f- for it. And for it to get 10 nominations, partly a lot of it is, is craft, but 10 nominations. And like, and, and again, I kind of actually do feel a little bit bad for Gary Oldman in the sense it's like Gary Oldman being nominated for actor in a leading role over someone like Delroy Lindo um, for Defy Blood sucks. But it's not Gary Oldman's fault that he was nominated because, you know, ultimately there are other people voting for him and watching the movie or not watching the movie or not watching the five bloods. And who knows if Gary Oldman actually took someone else's spot. It might've been Steven Yun who took that fifth spot or like, it's like there's no, nobody has an ownership over the spots, like the nominees themselves. When they get nominated, they get nominated because the votes tally up. It's not because like, you know, somebody dictates and says like, Oh, well you're going to get, this person's nomination instead uh, or, or, or vice versa. And, and and again, like Gary Oldman, I feel is this interesting situation where like he is now getting the accolades that he was denied in his early career when he should have been nominated for sit and Nancy and prick up your ears and things like that. And after him finally getting his first nomination for Tinker Taylor soldier spy, it's almost like they're giving him 
you know, his, his, his due now for the movies that, you know, the young Gary Oldman would laugh at because like the young Gary Oldman was like anti-establishment and didn't yeah, give a yeah. fuck about awards. And now he's playing, you know, Winston Churchill and winning an Oscar or in a you know, fat suit. Yeah, yeah. Or Herman Mankiewicz. And like, you know, like, you know, you go from punk to the establishment basically. And that's what I kind of find funny. So it's almost like the Academy is making up for all the lost time for, for him. And there's that again, that, that kind of like default entitlement for him to have a place just because, you know, it's a movie directed by David Fincher. It's a film about old Hollywood. It's a movie that's trying to say, you know, like, there's this interesting divide between socialism and capitalism. And uh, at a time where that, was really sort of being starkly contrasted against the backdrop of world war two. So all those things kind of add up to be like your classic, like Oscar movie that checks off a list, but then you have movies, you know, in there like sound of metal, which is, you know, it does have some things like, you know, disability, uh, big performances, things like that. But at the same time, there are nuances to a movie like that or Minari or Nomadland, like Nomadland, would be lucky to get a best picture nomination in a regular year. Like it would be the, the film that's like just happy to be there, but now it's, and the, weirdly front it's the front runner. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's what this whole year's about, which is kind of exciting. And I I'm more intrigued. Like again, how things get nominated, what people vote for, like the Oscar still has a lot. The Academy has a lot of work to do, but I think they're slowly making progress and at least they're doing better than the with Globes. The, and that's what I mean with the Oscars, at least like it's a large group of, you know, people within the industry that are voting on this thing, whether it's producers, actors, directors, all these different branches, like all coming together. And, you know, it's just you vote for what you believe should be, you know, nominated. You vote for what you believe should win. Are there prejudices there and different things based on different groups or the attribute? attribution of groups and different things in there yes it has a ton of work to do there's certain things that they still don't reward with like stunt work and 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 casting and and things like that that should be in there and there's a lot of shit that needs to be kind of fixed about the oscars but i still think it is an important thing in this industry and we talked a little bit out on the last episode of like it is part marketing part you know um circle jerk part like it's just it, it it's silly but important but an exciting, but kind of insignificant uh, while still being important. And it's just this weird kind of award shows are kind of just silly in general, but like, like patting yourselves on your back for being amazing for, for making this kind of stuff. But I, I do really think that like it gets eyes on movies that, you know, the general populace might not necessarily have, uh, sought out before the Oscars because it's just like we're in our own little bubble where yes we've seen every one of these movies we know every one of these people who are nominated for the for the most part for the major awards um, even some of the smaller awards will recognize production designers or costumers or or you know sound designers and things like that but for the most part the general populace I, I'm kind of throwing everyone and generalizing but like don't know about the majority of these movies. Like I get a lot of texts right now being like, Oh, the Oscars are this weekend. Like this is when, you know, mutual acquaintances and stuff will reach out and be like, what should I watch? Is this good? Is like, Oh, what are the best picture nominees should I watch? And, and kind of things like that. So I do feel like it puts eyes in whatever gets that prestigious best picture nomination and the acting awards and stuff like that. Like people will, it'll get so many more eyes on those things. So especially in a year, like yeah, Nomadland 
weirdly a Disney movie because of Searchlight, and it's very accessible on on Disney Plus, right? Like, so I've been talking with a ton of people, and I'm like, okay, well, there's things I love, like Promising Young Woman. That that even feels a little bit more mainstream, just because of maybe how well, glossy it is or, or but something also like again that. the like, year because it, yeah both i think promising young woman and judas and the black messiah again like the what if thing promising young woman was scheduled to come out in april of 2020 and judas and the black messiah was going to come out in august of 2020 and if it were a regular year and we got everything that we were supposed to i wonder how those movies would have played awards right. wise whether like they would have maybe popped up in in a couple of categories instead of being nominated for multiple things like would carrie mulligan's performance be the one thing that kind of carried into the award season or would it just ultimately get a screenplay nomination because it would be still talked about i think in the same way that it was talked about back in you know at sundance 2020 and into you know uh the VOD release, the premium VOD release of, of late last year. Um, and the same thing with Judas and the Black Messiah kind of having a late start and benefiting from an extended deadline of February instead of, uh, you know, the cutoff of the end of December. So those movies, I think, in a way are even elevated or glossier because they're, you know, still coming from studios or subdivisions of major studios and they you know compared to and and nomadland as well and compared to you know the trial the chicago seven or mank it's going those movies are going to probably get more votes and minari too i guess to to a lesser extent but that's more of an indie movie than anything else um because those you know the people within the industry will look at those movies and say like okay well these are studios that when we do get back to normal we'll release things theatrically again where netflix has a more strict window when it comes to uh day and date you know it'll play a couple weeks in a a few theaters that they can you know throw their films into and then you know it'll be available on on the site um where like i think nomadland minari and judas and the black messiah and promising young woman are probably you know, the front runners, but you would think in a year where everything is, you know, on equal playing ground that Netflix would benefit from that. And, and I think if child of Chicago seven was a paramount movie still like a, like a traditional theatrical release, again, like if it was a regular year, it, it would, would win the, the Oscar. Runner. I think yeah, it would win would. the Oscar. It would be falling into that category of like the King's speech where it's very yeah, accessible, yeah. but it's also down the road, middle of the road, um, you know, middle brow stuff and and that's fine i i think that like you know people there are people that really love the movie but um but because it is a netflix film i think that's the one thing that's kind of holding it back from winning best Picture. yeah i think we are close to that stuff not really mattering anymore but we're, we're not quite but there's there, still a little but, bit of a stigma i think to it oh totally but i think you see more filmmakers more actors work with uh more production design all these people just making movies with these companies that i just don't feel like there's a large you know subsect of of the academy that maybe still kind of poo-poos them for that well you'll still get the spielbergs and and paul thomas anderson's and christopher nolan every year there's less and less of those people because more and more people are working with them and getting dump trucks of money or they're hypocritical and and go and work with apple uh, TV yeah, plus instead exactly, like Spielberg, yeah. but even though Spielberg yeah. would probably never and have Scorsese, one of his, like uh, yeah, Scorsese, but but more so Spielberg, I don't think would ever you know at least right now have one of his own films 
be distributed by even Apple TV Plus or any other streaming service that's not Netflix to compete against it. I think like he'll do TV stuff with them or, or other people's movies, but it won't be his own. Like, I think that's where he'll kind of draw the line. And then um, just getting away from, you know, the year and the, and the actual movies that were nominated. I'm glad, you know, eyes will get on these movies, whatever wins best picture, more people will check it out. That's always a good thing. Uh, But then the, uh, the ceremony itself, I'm very interested in because Steven Soderbergh is producing it and um, one of the producers, but uh, he's talked a lot about how he wants to shoot it in, you know, 240 cinematic widescreen, 24 frames per second. He wants it to look like a movie and not an award show, whatever that means. <laughs> and it's taking place at multiple locations. So the main one being union station in, in Los Angeles. So uh, a beautiful art deco kind of uh, location um, where people will be, you know, they'll be all spread out and, and, and things like that. They said everyone will be tested. It'll be like, basically like if you were going on to a movie set, you had to be tested in the same way and things like that. So, uh, and to an accepted award, you have to go to one of their in-person locations. So they'll have multiple ones. So LA, New York, London, Paris, I think maybe, or uh, there's going to be a, a couple places in Europe and a couple places in North America, uh, because there are people who probably are shooting in Europe and, and things like that, that or don't want to make the trip and don't, or don't want to make the trip. And, and this is a way for them to attend in person, even though it is at a different location. Um, so that's what we know about the show. And then they announced the cast. So they keep calling it a cast. Um, and they the posters even look like how movie posters are set up. And they said like the presenters are playing a version of themselves almost is what I've read through stuff. And I've seen screenshots of what the, or I mean, art, uh, concept art. That was what this is going to look like. And I'm like, just really intrigued by the format this year because I know that they're trying to do something different because of everything. And Deconstructing they really want the award show. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's so weird. And like, I don't know. Soderbergh do is live- just remaking Schizopolis. Like that's literally yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> and that just sounds wild to me and i have no idea what that looks like and he's like oh yeah we're going to be shooting you know uh, uh, shoulder over the shoulder stuff and, and we wanted to make like steady cam stuff and we wanted to make it look like a movie and all the people are when they present their the awards it's not like just going up on a stage and 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 reading off a teleprompter like they're acting playing versions of themselves and i'm like I have no idea what that looks like. And the other thing they talked about was that he doesn't want to play people off um, with music. Like he wants to give a lot of time for, um, cause there's no one hosting again, right? Like no. it's just right. So I, I, he wants to give a lot of time for the speeches and they've encouraged people to, you know, if you win to say something very heartfelt and, 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 and meaningful and take your time and say it. So like, um, and, and so I'm very intrigued of how this is all going to play out, especially in a live format. And, um, if it will be cool or if it'll be like, um, uh, like, just like, what, what are you guys doing? Like, why, why are you trying so hard? But, um, well, they're also, they're way. also looking at, you know, they've had time to observe how the other award shows have handled their presentations what's worked and, and what's, what's not. Yeah. And so the, you know, being kind of the last show, movie related anyways um kind of that benefits them a little bit in sort of planning and prepping but it also might i mean like all this sounds very intriguing and exciting and like i i I am 
as fascinated by all of this as I think any movie fan would be or any Steven Soderbergh fan or or what have you. But at the same time, you could also argue Will that I this might- Will I be able might, to log this on Letterboxd? Yeah, that's the running joke. Where, but it, it also might take away from what you know the award yeah. season is in essence because the staginess and sort of the kind of almost- the style. The and- style of it being kind of like, you know, we talk about like our love of podcasts and, and listening to podcasts comes from an idea of it being non-structured and free flowing and, and sort of spontaneous conversation and conversational. Yeah. That's what makes award shows in general, because they want to see people want to see, you know, not just flubs or, or weird sort of moments where, you know, the wrong movie wins best picture, but just genuine unscripted moments that are sort of structured around that, that are, that are, that are, you know, in real time where this might take away that a little bit, but then also it'll be really fascinating because, you know, you're mentioning multiple locations and having, you know, Oscars on hand, but like, you know, someone that doesn't win an award that's in a location and just sees like the award being put back in like the suitcase yeah. or something afterwards would be really funny to have like a, you know, an insert shot of or something like that. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya is probably going to win for a supporting actor for Judas and the black Messiah, but like say that like, I think he is going to be in, in, in LA. Cause I mean, he just did SNL in, in New York not too long ago, but if he was, yeah. in, if he was back in, in England and like he was standing by and it's like, okay, well we have an Oscar in case he wins there, but then like say someone else wins in that category. And it's like, oh no, we're putting this thing yeah, away. There's probably just gonna be a table of them or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm, I, I don't, I'm just so intrigued by the whole thing. I love Soderbergh. We already joked that the whole thing will be basked in like that orangey yellow kind of light, and it'll look yeah, like, that sickly uh, honeydew look, or it'll mm-hmm. be like the ugly kind of. Um, sort of traffic-esque saturation of like the blues or, or things yeah. like that. Like it probably won't look as nice as something like say the ocean films, but um, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to see like if that look of his movies kind of comes through on this award show when he, you know, is a cinematographer as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So like, let's get into it. We're going to kind of go over each category. Um, Guarantee he makes won't... a movie during uh, God, uh yeah. the, the the award show as well like there will be he'll make a movie out of that because like he's right. already prepping his next film right now with zoe kravitz um which is amazing because the guy just keeps working the guy who said that he was going to retire was from retire film, yeah um literally makes a movie like that's happened before where you know filmmakers have made movies during film festivals and things like that and but this would be fascinating to see. It's like at the end of the uh the night it's like oh by the way soderbergh was making a a a, a you know, Academy Awards film, yeah. a faux yeah. movie behind the scenes, yeah. and we're we're getting As it on HBO next it. week. <laughs> yeah, it's actually eligible for the Oscars tonight. Yeah, we have a, we, we have, have a, a new nine, best picture contender. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued. And um, what are your plans? Just watching it? I'm just gonna yourself? watch it. Yeah. yeah, at home by myself in my underwear, the way it yeah. was cool, meant to be cool, watched. Cool. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm not a big Oscars party guy. I know you're kind of in the same boat because you like to just kind of sit down and watch it. I feel like when you involve too many too many people, I feel like that's when I start to not actually pay attention and you're talking over it and things like that. And like, uh, last year I had a good time with, uh, the last couple years at our old, uh, condo in Toronto, Nevis, uh, a couple of Nevis's friends came over and, you know, just like four of us would watch it or five of us. But, 
Um, I know that uh, our friend Adriana, former co-host of the podcast we did before this, used to host an Oscar party. Um, but yeah, I was never an Oscar party guy. Um, I've wanted to kind of toy around with watching it on Discord like we did with WrestleMania or like um, <laughs> or or streaming it like we've done with the Twitch watch alongs with the kind of funny crew. Like I think that would be really cool, but I would only kind of want to do that if I could actually broadcast the show with us like so people could watch exactly when we're watching it instead of having to sync up you know our voices and our screen with a separate screen like i'd like it to be all on one but um the oscars are very protective abc is disney is is producing them and putting them on abc so like it's not like i'm i I tweeted this out like the video game awards are kind of open like they don't have a network they're just broadcast online and you can watch it on youtube you can watch it on twitch you can watch it on uh ign you can watch like anyone can broadcast the game awards basically because they just want the biggest audience possible they don't care what network they're on or things like that they're just like anyone can watch it on any platform you want and i would love for us to get to that point but i feel like it's too much of a money maker that these you know networks will pay to even though award show um, which is one of the reasons they're probably trying something different this year is the the uh, viewership keeps going down and down. But and, even when big movies um, get nominated, they it still goes yeah. down because you think like that's part of like that that was a conversation a couple of years ago that you know people were um, sort of focused on the idea that you know ABC or Disney was having some influence on Academy members. Um, voting, voting for more populous films just for the sake of viewership, not necessarily just Disney movies being nominated, but like the idea of voting for a blockbuster that Oscar that they were going to put in. Yeah. Right? Like and, that and that's kinda... so again, like it's, I mean, thankfully it's been debunked, but like, God, remember that? And everyone's like, what qualifies for that? Yeah. Like, like Fast and the Furious, Vin the Diesel's rules? finally winning that Oscar yeah. for Fast what and Furious. What are the rules for best? Like, you're going, yeah, you know, fuck you, stunt people, fuck you, um, uh, casting people, like, but popular yeah, Oscar. We, I like, mean, one thing we will talk about as well, they put sound into one category. So, you yeah, know, it's like, we'll like, do sound that. Sound guys, you're all, you're all, all the, the same, same right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but popular Oscar, and we won't give you any rules of what qualifies for that and doesn't qualify for regular stuff. So again, that goes back into there's lots of things that they need to fix and they're and they're toying with things to get more people to watch. And I think that's a mixture of, you know, I think linear television, like, yeah, the Super Bowl still gets good, you know, um, viewership or or whatever. But like, I I could see a, a future man where the Oscars are weirdly on an Amazon Prime or a Netflix or like as the broadcaster, right? Just because that's going to have your widest audience of like, like it, I'm shocked that Disney doesn't go. Oh, you can also watch it on Disney Plus, like live or something like that. Like, like I get that you still want to sell people, you know. Uh, like uh, linear television subscriptions and things like that, but like that's slowly dying, and people don't necessarily watch a lot of live te- TV anymore. Whether Unless it's you're, sports, you know, sports is the only live thing, and I get award shows are you know you very much want to watch them live too because you don't necessarily want to watch a recording of something that's you know well known. And, and sports is the same way. I I missed half the Leaf game yesterday because I was watching Invincible, and I'm like I'll just catch the highlights. I'm not going to actually go back and rewatch what I missed in that game. Right. So I don't know, man, like I could see it going to a streaming service in the future and, uh, and then still toying around with, uh, I really kind of hope they do something where they're like, you know what, we'll give it to everyone, give it to the networks, give it to whoever wants to broadcast it. But like, maybe that 
doesn't make sense because you still want to make some money off of it by selling the rights to a specific network or something like that. But And then we won't go into the Globes, but I'm very interested to see how um, – you know, that's all going to play out over the next year because it looks like those might be going away, man. <laughs> so the critics choice uh, awards will reign supreme. Someone, someone said that they're like, why you could partner with them, get rid of the HFPA and like, and still call it the golden globe. I mean, not that the critics different... choice doesn't have its own problems as well. I mean, specifically like people oh, totally. like Jeff Wells, who was recently expelled yeah. from the association. But like, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff that has come out with the Globes recently, it's just like one thing after another, and it's just like... I think it was Norm Wilner who tweeted it, being like, at least you know who's in the Critics' Choice Association. You can easily go look at who who are in that voting body. Right. And like you can, and it's at least like 400, 500 plus people, right. It's not 70 random journalists. And it's spread out both in, in the U S and Canada. Like, and and it's, it's, there is a more diverse grouping of, um, critics and entertainment journalists and, and voters in general. And yeah, you know who they are, you know, there's, they're not, it's not anonymous. There's transparency there of going, here's who it is. Here's like, it's a good amount of people. Like, I don't think 70 random people should be voting on anything, uh, let alone like being the people who are like, here's the second biggest movie awards and television awards. Yeah. Cause when they do, uh, you get Emily in Paris being nominated for everything. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Let's (laughs) get into it. I also think that like, I, I just being, a uh, a voter and, and having voted in the past for the critics choice. I think the one thing that we, that they do need to change a little bit is how many nominees per category, because I think like it needs to be five. Yeah. Strictly five. When you get like seven or eight nominees in one category, it defeats the purpose. They of are going nominated. back to that. Aren't they? Or no, the critics choice. five. No, sorry. No, 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 no. The Oscars. So the Oscars are going to 10. So it's going oh, to be 10. 10. So, okay. so with best picture in the, since, 2009 uh, after the year the the dark knight and, and the wrestler wasn't nominated and that again the populist films or some of the more smaller movies that might have a shot at getting in um the preferential ballot it, how that works is that you get 10 slots and you vote for say like you know you have a film that you really love so you vote for that as number, number one. one and then yeah. you know so on and so forth and like you you fill in all 10 slots but, but it needs does, a, a number of number one slots. Yes, right? to, like, to be yeah. nominated for best picture. And so when you when you get to number 10, like it doesn't necessarily mean that like, you know, just because you're putting something in 10, that 10 will be nominated. Usually nine films do get nominated. This year it's eight. Um, but next year or this year into next season, um, it'll be 10. So it will be automatically 10 movies will be nominated for best picture. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, Critics' Choice, yeah, move it, just tighten it up. And like, and yeah, there are some times where there's like eight nominees in one category, right? I mean, but- I don't even mind them doing the Golden Globe thing where they have like, you know, multiple genre categories and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's just, fine. Yeah. But just do five yeah. in each and just, you know. Yeah. More categories is fine, but don't just, here's 15 people nominated for this. Okay, <laughs> let's like a get Royal into- Rumble. Yeah, let's get into our, our predictions. So, Eric, we can either we'll briefly discuss like I why predict we Georgie's think this behind you right now. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah, there she is. Uh, always causing havoc, Georgie. Um, 
So I don't know where you want to start. I have the letterboxed uh, Oscar ballot um, open here. So do you just want to kind of go in order of they how they yeah, have yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, and I don't even have we'll... anything open, so I'll rely yeah, on you. Yeah, so I'll just go over and we'll talk about what we think is going to win and what uh, what we want to win. Um, so it kicks off with actor in a leading role. So you have Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey, uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Father and Gary Oldman in Mank and Steven Yeun in Minari. So Eric, what are you thinking for actor? Um, do you think they give it to Boseman posthumously or um, or do they go with someone like uh, Anthony Hopkins? Or Well, it seems like that's where it's yeah. kind of come down to in, in this season so far. Um you know, like there's been the Spirit Awards uh, the other day gave Riz Ahmed the the acting yeah. uh, best actor award, which is nice. Um, who's my personal pick? So I'll just squash that right there. Who should win? Um, but I agree with that. I'm with you on that. But I do think that um, Bozeman will ultimately win. But if there is an upset, it will be Anthony Hopkins for the father because that film, you know, was even though it played at Sundance in, in 2020 at the beginning of last year before everything shut down and it was picked up by Sony pictures classics, it didn't really start to get a second life. Even after, you know, playing a lot of the fall festivals like TIFF, it, it hasn't really gotten a, a second wind until more recently. And it's kind of surging at the right moment. You know, it's, it's done really well with BAFTA and obviously, you know, being a, a European production as well, but I could see them also looking at it. Anthony Hopkins has won for Silence of the Lambs and has been nominated yeah. multiple times since then. I mean, he was nominated last year for the two popes for supporting actor. So he's one of the few people to carry over from last year's award season and be nominated again. But it's also a moment where they can look at it historically as well and say like, okay, well, Anthony Hopkins is the oldest best actor nominee, um, you know, beating uh, Richard Farnsworth, who was in his late seventies for the straight story in the 1999, 2000 season. And so that could also be kind of a factor in creating that narrative of being like, okay, well, you know, Anthony Hawkins is 83. Um, he hasn't won since the silence of the lambs. Um, a lot of people, including myself. And I think you would agree as well. This is one of his finest performances and it's, it's a, yeah. it's a very emotionally devastating performance. Uh, role so that could all kind of factor in where like and also the idea that both of these films ma rainey and the father are based on stage plays and one of those stage plays takes that and turns it into something far different from your typical sort of stage to screen adaptation with ma rainey kind of being very traditional and straight and actor focused and there's nothing wrong with that i think chadwick boseman is very good and i think you know even if he had had not passed away, I think he probably would be in contention and be nominated. Um, but if there is an upset, I think it will be Anthony Hopkins. But as of now, I'm going to play it Bozeman. safe and Bozeman, yeah. I think, is going to win. Who do, yeah, you, who do you. you want to win, Matt? Um, I would be... I think I'm with you with Riz Ahmed. I think seeing Sound of Metal at TIFF, oh God, a 20, year and a half 2019. ago. Yeah, two years ago almost yep. now. Um, year and a half ago. Um, really blown away with that movie. I, I love Riz Ahmed. I thought he's fantastic in that. So I would. Uh, I want Riz Ahmed to win. I think Chadwick Boseman will win. That's what I go with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the same page. As and you. Delroy Lindo should be nominated. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Because like that, that was the weirdest one this award season because like at the beginning of the year like i knew that like okay maybe the film wouldn't get nominated or or what have you like because defy bloods is only nominated for uh score um yeah. but i thought like honestly like he was he he was a shoe in 
like that like yeah. that one monologue that he has to the camera is like that's your Oscar clip and it's not an Oscar yeah. clip in a Beatty way like it's an amazing scene and like that performance is as towering as anything that Daniel Day-Lewis does in in There Will Be Blood and it's it's a big showy role and like again a veteran character actor who's been working for years gets this big spotlight meaty role and it just didn't it never tracked it didn't get really any critic award nominations or wins either which is just bizarre maybe that goes back to your thing that you're saying just came out too early but then again i mean that's that's been something where it's like okay well all the oscar movies come out in november december but i mean that's not always true either silence of the lambs was a february release fargo was a february release what is this cat doing keep talking the grand (laughs) budapest hotel was was an early release so you know it's not just simply okay everything from october to December will be the short-term memory of the Academy voters. There are plenty of films that do get nominated that play in the first quarter or play in the summer. I mean, Inglorious Bastards opened in August in, in 2009 and was nominated for multiple awards and, and made it through. And again, you could say, okay, well, part of it is because it's, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, but you know, like a, it necessarily doesn't matter all the time that it is being released at the beginning of the year or it doesn't at the until end of the it year. does <laughs> right but look at get out get out was yeah. released in february and it yeah. became and such a, its, a yeah. cultural phenomenon and carried into that into the award season and again like i've mentioned all those other movies i just as don't well. think the five bloods ever had that reaction right like no I think it no just, but it but his performance it's great did. it's his good. performance and, and people yes. love the performance and like i knew, but i think that's film people saw right. that though like it didn't transcend that i think even from the people that i talked to that you know came across it on netflix i think maybe the length kind of deterred some people on on to five bloods at least a you know general populace and like not saying that that plays into awards voting at all but sometimes that kind of momentum carries into awards season which then helps awards members go okay i need to watch that movie because i heard about this performance and you'd think that in the industry people w- were talking about his performance that you know it, it would have carried over but yeah it is I'm, I'm totally with you i think he should be there um i would out of anyone here get rid of gary oldman but um I think uh, that's usually the uh, default answer where it's like, yeah, yeah, Gary Old. I mean, he's already he just recently won for one. And like, hour like and- you said, his performance in this isn't what that movie really is like. He's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't care for Mank, but like, yeah. And a movie getting- that's about a writer doesn't get a screenplay nomination. You're yeah, talking about posthumous sense. nominations for Jack yeah. Fincher. Uh, moving on to uh, supporting actor in a supporting role. Uh, so you have Sasha Baron Cohen in the trial of the Chicago seven, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the black Messiah, Leslie Odom jr. In one night in Miami, Paul Racy in sound of metal and Lakeith Stanfeld for Judas and the black Messiah. Eric, you already said that you think Daniel Kaluuya will win. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, man. Yeah. I want Paul Racy to win. Again, I think I, you, you can tell we really love Sound of Metal. I would love uh, for him to get the win. I don't think he will. Um, and I I do agree with you that I think Daniel Kaluuya will win. Yeah, there's a, this is a category for a leading for a leading role and <laughs> i find fascinating yeah. because of that there the, one it's it's category fraud and i mean this is something that's been talked about for for years and years and years i mean i remember even with gene siskel and roger ebert them talking about Dan, uh danny aiello for the um 
do the right thing and being nominated for supporting instead of being a lead. I mean, Jamie Foxx was nominated for supporting for Collateral. I mean, he got a double nomination that year for Ray as well. But I mean, his role in Collateral is is a co-lead and not a supporting role. So this is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Brokeback Mountain. Like it's happened time yeah. and time again, and th- it'll always be a conversation to have. This and one's I think, a little bit more blatant because they're both nominated. Well, that's in the, the same weird category. thing about this because Lakeith Stanfield, who's amazing in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, has shown up almost nowhere this entire season and has been sort of campaign by warner brothers as best actor uh gets nominated in that fifth spot and i'm happy that he's there over someone like jared leto for the little things um but then it leads you to the to the 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 conclusion or or the question of who is the lead of judas and the black messiah if it's not daniel kaluuya or uh uh, lakeith stanfield as fred hampton and william o'neill like the titular characters of the film are nominated in supporting and you could argue okay well it's an ensemble film but then like you know jesse plemons is the lead yeah right (laughs) Uh, you know and and again dominic fishback she she was great in the movie as well and not nominated but um yeah those two guys are the leads and and i could i could i could give you some wiggle room on daniel kaluuya because it is from the point of view of william o'neill uh lakeith stanfield's character narratively speaking so you could say okay well since it is sort of yeah yeah, but i mean kaluuya is still a co-lead yeah Uh, i'm 100 percent with you yeah but he is also very good and like again i think part of it is Kluya is one of those actors that is so captivating on screen and whether it be obviously, you know, him getting nominated for Get Out, which was a wonderful kind of nomination because it's a very subtle performance. This is a very big speechifying performance that is kind of like in your classic kind of, you know, give this guy all the awards. And because of Get Out doing so well and him, you know, also should have been nominated for Widows. I think he has a lot of goodwill, but also the performance is captivating. It's it's a big role. It's a showy role. It's throughout the entire movie. Um, where someone like Paul Racy, I'm just happy he got nominated because like, I feel like in any other year, he would not have gotten nominated. But also, because he's kind of an unknown actor, he's a day player. He's popped up here and there in a lot of TV and theater over the years. Um, Voters could have overlooked him as a non-actor because his performance is so nuanced and so lived in that it's almost like it doesn't feel like a performance. It just feels showy and naturalistic. And there are some great moments of depth and, and, and near the end of the film, like I, I kind of know probably what they're going to show for the clip, but it's such a great performance that usually that kind of work goes unsung and it's just nice to see him nominated totally that's why i would love to see him win as a dark horse but i don't i i agree with you that i think daniel kaluuya will uh will take it home um actress in a leading role so we have viola davis and ma rainey um uh andre day in the united states versus billy holiday uh uh vanessa kirby uh in pieces of a woman francis mcdormand in nomadland and carrie mulligan in promising young woman um a lot of great contenders here. I I will kick it off of saying I want Carrie Mulligan to win. And I think Carrie Mulligan will win. Although I'm think Francis McDormand might also win. But see, this this category and supporting actress are going to be the ones I think that everybody is the going to be card. the the wild card, the ones that everybody are going to be waiting for. And there's there might be a surprise here. Because again, uh 
actress in a leading role has been very spread out this year in terms of who has won and who has you know been nominated. So with these five, anything could happen. My personal pick would be Frances McDormand for Nomadland, just because I want to see her not give a fuck again or yeah, not even that show would be up. Amazing. She's not even going to well, be there because she, she could win twice because she's yeah. also a producer and nominated as a producer on Nomadland. I think Land. maybe because she's a producer on Nomadland, if she can go to the event, and she, she might already go, won recently like- for three billboards which was only you know three or four years ago now right so like it's kind of like and she's already won for fargo so she's won two oscars so she wins for best picture it's kind of like but but not everybody's thinking that way right like when it comes to academy members but yeah. yeah so looking at this I honestly don't feel safe with almost picking anybody because yeah. I could even make a really good argument. And a lot of people are saying uh, Andre Day for um, the United States versus Billie Holiday could end up winning because she didn't get nominated. F- she didn't factor into SAG and she didn't factor into a couple places. And that could be the wild card thing where like certain actors that don't end up, um, you know, getting in sort of the regular traction and end up there at the last minute kind of change the game or the way it's played. Like you look at someone like, uh, Marsha Gay Harden and Pollock, the Ed Harris movie about the artist. She was almost completely, um, oblivious to the award season. And then all of a sudden she gets nominated for supporting actress that year and wins, you know, Christoph Waltz for Django Unchained didn't yeah. get a SAG nomination, but then gets nominated for the Oscar and, and wins win. again for almost again, playing a very yeah. similar role. Even though I really liked <laughs> yeah. his performance in the movie, I yeah. think, you know, maybe Philip Seymour Hoffman should have won for the master instead. But so this could, that could, could benefit as well. And also, I mean, there is the conversation narratively speaking of, you know, a woman of color has not won since Halle Berry. So for actress in a leading role. Um, So Viola Davis and Andre Day have a shot. And I think Viola Davis is one of the most respected and well-regarded actors working. So I could see her winning as well. But to be honest, I mean, like I, I could say like, like Carrie Mulligan seems to kind of be, like the passion pick for a lot of people. Like anytime she works with Alfred Molina, she'll get an Oscar nomination, (laughs) you know, between this and and education. Um, But to be honest, I don't feel safe with saying any, I, I almost want to just go with my personal pick and say Francis McDormand because you go personal. I go personal. I'll go personal and, and, and professional. But at the same time, you know, when you, when you go with your heart, Instead of your head, you always end up getting burnt by it. So, like again, like I would not be surprised if if the the surprise win here is someone like Andra Day. Uh, hey, and I'm all for that. Like I, I am mean, too. I, I am too. I the movie's seen, not great. She is very. I haven't good seen in it, it but yeah, I'm sure she is. And uh, but like I like categories like this where it's not just like, well, this person. Like again, I think with actor and supporting actor, we kind of have a good idea of who the front runners are, right? But then you put it perfectly of like this one could be a toss up. Yeah. A lot of people are saying Carrie Mulligan. A lot of people are saying Francis McDormand, but, um, and I want Francis McDormand to be the Meryl Streep now of the Oscars and just continually get nominated for things and not care and not care (laughs) one, because she's always good. And the perform like the performances are always great, but yeah, her attitude is amazing to this whole award season. And I'm sure she'll get nominated again for the tragedy of lady or the tragedy yeah. of Macbeth as lady Macbeth uh, opposite yeah. Denzel Washington. Like it almost feels like that's a reserved slot, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with Francis McDormand for both should and will win. Yeah. I 
don't know if that's going to happen though. And I will go carry Mulligan for both should and will. So we'll see. That's the someone keep track of this. No one Watch is going Van- to <laughs> Watch Vanessa Kirby win. Like that was another joke as well. Like everybody it that's been nominated has won something other than yeah. Vanessa Kirby. Right. That could happen. I could also see it. Like you you never know, man. So um actress in a supporting role. So you have um Maria uh Baklova for Borat 2, uh Glenn Close. You gotta say the whole movie, Matt. Okay, sorry. Maria Baklova for Borat subsequent movie film, uh prestigious gift for great I for, I don't have the full title here. Great regime of make benefit Kazakhstan. Um did you see they're putting out the Borat cut of the movie? <laughs> right, which is lame. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not. I, we don't need it. But Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried uh, for Mank, and Yoon Jun Yoon, right? Yeah. Yoon Jun Yoon for Minari. Uh, Eric, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, who do you want and who do you think? Okay, like I said with Best Actress, this is the other category that's kind of like kind of a, anything yeah. could happen. Uh, Yoon Jun Yoon from Minari won the SAG so she could repeat there because a lot of SAG voters are also Oscar voters. It's not just because critics can't vote in the Oscars. And so like you see a lot of awards groups, you know, when they vote for something or, you know, they declare a winner that kind of has a good idea of who who might be the front. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the person that's going to win. Glenn Close's narrative. Uh, no, Eric, no. <laughs> I know, but she's been nominated eight times now, never won. Yeah. A lot of people thought she was going to win for The Wife and then lost to Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, which Coleman is also nominated again against her. In for supporting. The Father. <laughs> yeah, for, for The Father uh, in, in supporting. So, I mean, even that would be weirdly funny to watch because, like, it, it would almost be like the. um Annette Benning Hillary Swank thing where uh Hillary Swank won for Boys Don't Cry in in 99 2000 and beat uh Annette Benning um who was in American Beauty and then um Hillary Swank won for uh Million Dollar Baby uh and beat Annette Benning for Being Julia so it almost could be like that situation again and again these are narratives that are created there's no real rivalry between these no, two or anything know. like that it's just like fun to kind of be like you know create like again the sports mentality but it, there's no way she wins for this i just can't i can't dude it's I mean, she already got a nomination so that's it, yeah and 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 again like she is well respected has been working in the industry i, love Glenn Close. I do too and i, I like, agree I, with you a hundred percent that it's a it, like and especially like with the author of this book kind of spouting the crap he is right now on on oh, I haven't fox seen news that. oh yeah it's it's oh, it, yeah he's really? working overtime um so I could see it being again, like this entitlement thing, not that Glenn Close feels entitled, but almost like the narrative of being like, well, this might be the last time we can give her a competitive Oscar. Right. You know, yeah. like this might be the, the, not that it necessarily is, but like she's been nominated eight times before she's the most nominated actor never to have won. You know, it, it just feels like, okay, that that's there. But at the same time, it's a shitty movie. Yeah. But it's also been nominated for makeup, so it shows you that you know people did watch the film. Unfortunately. Um, so what's your should and what's your will? I want to go with Yoon Jun Yoon for Minari for should. Should. Yeah. And I want to go for would as well. Um, okay. 
But again, I would not be surprised if Glenn Close. So you're not officially saying Close. You're saying no. I'm saying Yun Jin Yun for for Minari. But again, if you're gonna be, if there's going to be like that upset, and I don't even think it's going to be an upset because of all those factors I told you about, where it's like, yeah, Glenn Close that, probably yeah. will win that just because. <laughs> God, I hope not. I'm going to go for should. I would love to see uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat just because I think that's funny. And I think she's really good in the movie, but like I would also just funny vote, uh, you know, yeah. Someone for Borat winning a best supporting actress. I think she's genuinely great in the movie and I think she's well deserving of her nomination and possibly win. Uh, But I don't think she will win. Um, I would want her to win. Uh, And I think um, you Yu Jun Yun from Minari, I think, will win. That's my prediction as well. Yeah, and I also um, want to quickly just say that I think that, like, you know, I've talked about Mank being a well-respected and well-made movie that's not necessarily there's a lot of passion about. The one thing I do feel passionate about this movie is Amanda Seyfried's performance. I think okay. she's really, really good in the film, and I also think that, like, she is kind of underrated or taken for granted because like you look at the stuff that she's as an actress in general yeah yeah because the stuff that she's been doing in the last little bit with the exception of that horrible dog movie that kevin costner did the voice for like she's been working with people like paul schrader for first reformed you know david lynch and twin peaks the return she's picking interesting stuff in between some of the more studio mainstream movies like mamma mia and the art of you know racing or whatever it was called um and so, like, I just, I'm just happy that she, you know, finally broke in because she's always good. Like, even in crap, she's she's always reliable and, and consistently just a, a really strong screen presence. So it's just nice to see another Mean Girl get nominated and and and. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, moving on to animated feature film, we have Onward, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolf Walkers. Uh, I'll kick it off really quickly. Should and will will be soul. Uh, although I do think a lot of people do love uh, Wolf Walkers, but I still think that, you know, that Pixar. Uh, that Disney, that Disney uh, that, yeah. machine is working. Uh, it's it's over, too powerful. Uh, they yeah. always like picks. If Pixar has a movie, it's usually winning. And soul is an incredible movie. Um, Wolf Walkers. I was a little bit more mixed on. I know a pe- some people really, really love it. I'm all for not just, you know, if Pixar has a movie, just or Disney having a, them, a monopoly. Uh, yeah. Of just handing them the animated Oscar. Like I like when they don't win, but um, for something like Soul, I think is a great movie. I think that they deserve and should and will win uh, the best animated Oscar for Soul. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, I actually like Wolf Walkers maybe a little bit more than you, and I think it's just a well-made little movie that kind of feels like something that. I mean, Soul is as well, but like Wolf Walkers is just like this weird. Like when you think of independent animated movies it's it's such a a a novelty to think of still yeah where like yeah you think when you think animated movies and you think disney movies you think of like you know the machines and like the animators kind of like all working in sort of unison to create something and it's almost like a factory kind of situation where with like wolf walkers it's almost like somebody in like in a or like even with the studio Ghibli stuff like somebody in a little studio like took painstaking time to like you know detail every single uh animation cell and frame and 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 you know really you know lost like 10 years of their lives making this movie because they were so stressed out doing it and and i love that about 
Wolfwalkers because it is it's very much like a very tactile film in that way. But Soul, I just think, is such a transcendent movie for Pixar, and it was a reminder of why Pixar is who so they are right. and why they're yeah. the best of the best. So yeah, I, I mean, like I love when something like Spirit Away, you know, wins an award or something like that. Same, yeah. Um, like if it was just Onward, that was the Pixar movie this year, I'd be like, absolutely give it to Wolfwalkers. Yeah, or something but when else. something like Big Hero Six wins against, like, you know, How to Train Your Dragon, and and you're like, it's right there, you know, like yeah, I don't think it should just be like, well, Pixar's here, let's give them automatic, the Oscar, right? Like, give it to Shrek. Um, like I, I'm curious. The embargo's up, so we can talk about it. But like the Mitchells versus the Machines next year. Like I, I talked about in our review uh, and just in general that like I really do think Sony and seeing Spider Verse win was great, right? Like I don't know what what Disney movie they were up against. I forget, but um, last year, last but year. Uh, no, two years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I forget, but they won. Anyways, um, uh, which is great, and um, I think that um, Sony Pictures Animation moving forward, I think can really like with their animation style and the storytelling that we got in something like Mitchell Mitchell's versus the Machines. Like, I know this year we have Luca. Um, I know there's uh, what other animated movies we have coming from Disney. Luca's the big Pixar one, right? Yeah, there's a couple. Then- um. Disney animation studio movies that are coming later in the year. Um, um, yeah. Uh, there's that. Oh God, it's, um, but there's also the color, something like the Flea, which House. we saw at uh, Sundance, which also could get nominated for animated. And feature. I would love that to get in there, at least get a nomination. That would be really cool. So like, I think that, you know, you're starting to see other studios. I know, uh, you know, blue sky and is now defunct. It's part of Disney. Um, um, well, Leica like, has done well. In, Leica in, has in done the last well. Little bit, so. DreamWorks, like you said, with How to Train Your Dragon, it would always get a nomination. You get the big heavy hitters getting a nomination, but I'd be Anomalisa. curious to see. I mean, that was yeah, great when it was. That nominated. was great too. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm really curious with Mitchell's versus the Machines. It's too early to say, even though we're a third through the year. Like we have, but really you know what though, the animation because there's not as many animated movies produced in a year. You can usually kind of get like, okay, well. The Mitchells versus the Machines, I think, will be nominated unless Luca will probably be there yeah. unless it's like totally underwhelming. But even then, it probably, it probably will, will be, be there because it's <laughs> yeah. almost like again a reserve spot for the Disney, the obligatory Disney Pixar release, and probably at least two more slots will be open to whatever else you know, uh, Disney and. And DreamWorks, DreamWorks or, or yeah, or like Illumination. The, 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 I keep yeah. forgetting about like the indie movies are the ones that I'm always most fascinated to see break through. And I think yeah. next year Flea could be a double nominee for documentary and uh, animated feature, which is which will be very interesting. Which would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for cinematography, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, Eric, I went first last time, so you can shouldn't Willwood Nomadland. I'm on the same page. I don't know if we need to go into detail, but that movie it's in 4k on Disney plus star. If you're in Canada. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you'll hear us talk about it a lot and you've probably already heard us talk about it, but like the cinematography is gorgeous. I haven't even watched it in 4k yet. The, the screener that we got at TIFF still looked quite good. Um, and I haven't rewatched it since then, but yeah, the, the, golden hour cinematography in that movie is just absolutely spectacular and i'm 
uh, I'm a thousand percent with you that it should win and and will win. Yeah, but I'm also very happy to see Sean Bobbitt nominated for Judas and the Black Messiah, his first nomination, because the guy Which is wild. Like, yeah, yeah, because I mean, he also is Steve McQueen's regular cinematographer and shot Twelve Years a Slave, the film that won Best Picture that year, and was not nominated for that movie, which is. I, I can't even even in something that. like widows his cinematography yeah. elevates that kind of material like that shot from the outside of the car alone like should have maybe been a, not the, should have shoot yeah. in for, for a nomination yeah. but i mean widow again like speaking of you know we mentioned it with daniel kluya and and even viola davis should have got nominated, nominated for that movie yeah. yeah um and then also darius wolski for news of the world which isn't a great movie by any means but gorgeous but, as well but yeah. well shot and it's just nice to see him get his first nomination, a guy who's been working forever and is Ridley Scott's usual cinematographer, who's probably been bombarded by uh, more paparazzi in the last two oh, months God, of his yeah. career shooting the House of Gucci biopic than any other point. No one's paid attention to a Ridley Scott movie in forever. For, and now uh, like everyone like, knows like, yeah. every detail of that movie. You can make a movie out of the behind the scenes photos that that film has yeah. generated over the last couple of months in Italy. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to see those guys finally kind of get some love as well. And, and, you know, being kind of veteran uh, cinematographers. I mean, again, like this is, this is a strange category because up until recently, Roger D had never won so it's like like what are they doing yeah i agree with you there um in costume design emma ma rainey's black bottom mank mulan and pinocchio um i guess i can kick this off um should win uh gosh i've really mank didn't care for uh ma rainey the look in ma rainey is really nice from the costumes mulan's costumes are really nice I uh, didn't see Emma, but I'll go with the period piece either way. So I'm going to go should and will as Emma. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go will win Ma Rainey and, <clears throat> and should win. That's a toss. Again, like costume costume designs usually fall into that like that. And I remember Sandy Powell always talks about this is like a lot of contemporary movies never have a shot of yeah. getting nominated. And they're just as hard to kind of create a, oh, totally. a great ensemble. Cause you need to make it look natural in like a modern kind of thing. Right. You yeah. Still need and to, without and, it and, standing out too much, but also standing right. out enough where like, where each character has its own look and things like that. Like I, I totally yeah, Drive agree should have been nominated like, for costume just for the, yeah, the scorpion the jacket. jacket. Yeah. Um, abs- I'm absolutely with you and I'm not even being like, uh, yeah. And, and, and this is Sandy Powell saying it like, who's one of the best costume designers ever. And, and, and she's someone who does a lot of period stuff, but like she never takes herself too seriously either. Um, I'm just going with the period stuff because I think that's where you're leading is like, it's usually period. Yeah. But stuff, normally right? it's all period stuff, no matter yeah. what. Right. Um, but in terms of should, I mean, I, I actually thought Emma was quite charming and, and really well-made and, and, and very, you know, production design and costume oriented as you would expect it to be. But I think it has it pops because of that a, a little bit yeah. more. Um, so I'll go with that. Like even more so than Mank. Like there's not a there's not like really like a piece of wardrobe that I can think of that's really stand out or stand, like yeah. At, and that's yeah. probably also partly because it's shot in you know in black, black and white, and white yeah. where like it's Emma is so colorful and vibrant and part of it is 
again in just the design so yeah no i i get that so for me it was a toss-up but i'll just go emma um because i remember the trailer being very vibrant and elaborate <laughs> i'm basing this one like on the that. trailer guys i am i'm not voting okay if i was voting i'd fucking watch it um it's weird that like like anya taylor joy has become this uh mega movie star in yeah. the last year or so because of queen's gambit and like people are starting to go back i mean like people saw the witch as well but people now are starting to go back and even watch emma now or, or some of the other stuff that she's popped up in and um in the last couple of years it's wild what a netflix show could do for you right yeah well i gotta i gotta find i gotta dig up my interview with her that i did uh uh, for the witch, so I interviewed. Yeah. For people that don't know, I interviewed Robert Eggers and Anya yeah. Taylor Joy for the witch, and it was the year that Trump um, decided to run for president, and it was the last time I ever did an interview uh, in the Trump Hotel. But right. it was at the time when he made his announcement and offended half of the world and made that horrible speech about you know Mexicans because they used to use the Trump Hotel for all quite the time. A few yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. They were still using TIFF that year, but they ended up bringing everybody into the bar in the hotel instead of going into like one of the rooms. So I remember interviewing Anya Taylor-Joy and Robert Eggers in the bar that's connected or a part of the Trump Hotel. And we were just talking there and like it was such a – it was a weird experience, but she was very, very nice and so was he. And and it's just interesting that it's like now she's this movie star that probably like, you know, that Joe Schmo film critic could not – interview anymore so yeah exactly no I, I i feel you on that um directing so we have a uh, thomas vinterberg for another round david fincher for mank uh leah leah isaac chung for uh minari and uh chloe Zhao for nomadland and emerald Fennell for promising young woman um I like this crop of people um this crop of nominees it's awesome to see uh you know two women two women nominated uh more than one person of color nominated um and uh even vinterberg sneaking in here is awesome i remember that being which is the surprise surprise nominee right yeah so um i don't think that uh he'll win um i forgot who went first last time i think i did so you go ahead of who you yeah i'll just say should should and will win uh chloe Zhao. like i just think that that she is that movie is just so specific and, and well-directed. And I think that that's a movie that she had to find three times. I mean, she, she's been, she's nominated for multiple categories for producing, directing, editing, and adapting uh, the, the book that it's based on. Um, But I think that you look at that movie and you think like, okay, well, she had to make this thing four times, you know, producing and writing it shooting it and then editing it and that's a movie where it's like you could see a lot of the film coming together in the editing room and the choices that she had to make while filming are vital because like you know you you only have what you know you have to work with when it comes to footage and sort of how she shot and how she was able to tonally sort of balance both non-actors and two really well-known uh actors being francis mcdormand and david sutheran and it all coming off very naturally and organic um, and just being a very easy and accessible watch. Like, it's just a fascinating movie. It's beautifully made. It's poignant. It's saying a lot without being um, manipulative all the time and, and and you know, sort of 
using the subtext in an interesting way. So yeah, like this is this is this is the version of Terrence Malick I want more of. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with you. I, and, I and, made that point when we did our original review, and, and it makes and me she's even more excited about it, uh, Eternals. Oh yeah, I know. I can't wait, and um, just the way she's talked about it being like, oh, I shot it, you know, almost simultaneously with Nomadland. We use the same camera rig. We use the same kind of, you know, midnight hour or, or uh, golden hour kind of cinematography. And like, uh, I shot it similarly, like jumping back and forth. And I'm like, that's awesome. And like, I also appreciate, like you said, like, I think filmmaking obviously is a collaborative process. A lot of people go into making a movie. It's not just one person's vision and them through and through. Although I do appreciate you know, on a smaller movie like this even, but like even back, I remember being in school and it's not that you're a control freak or anything, but you care about a project so much that you want to be involved in every aspect of it. And like not a lot of, I mean, a lot of directors are in that editing room with the editors working with them constantly on it. But like, um, I like when people just, they're like, no, this is my thing. I'm taking it back to my house. I'm editing it myself and like all that kind of stuff. Like I just, I like when that happens or when a filmmaker kind of goes, you know what, I'm going to do basically this all on my own. Right. Um, and, and even I don't though think someone like David Fincher like is kind of like that as well, except he doesn't edit his movies, but he almost knows a little bit about every aspect of the production yeah. Yeah. so that he knows what he's talking about and can have those conversations with everybody. And like, I mean, I don't know how controlling Chloe Zhao is, but like everything that we've learned about David Fincher oh, you know, sure. suggests there's, that he is a control a freak. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't necessarily think she's even a control freak. It just seems like someone who's just like almost she's just like, no, I, I got it. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> like more so like an easygoing kind of thing of being like, well, she I know knows what, what I she want. wants like, and she yeah, yeah like and, she just, I'm like, oh, I can edit it at my house. I'll chill and just, you know, 12 hours a day sit at my computer and edit it or whatever. Which that doing. is something in itself where it's like Being editors, an editor? yeah. editors, I have so much respect for because I don't have the patience for it. I love watching movies and I, I can like I watch would. a three or four hour film. I have no problem doing that. I mean, I fucking watched the Snyder cut and, and like, even though I didn't love the movie, I can sit there and, and, and watch it and, and find something in it or just know that I'm, I'm seeing something that other people will be having a conversation about. But when it comes to the monotony and tinkering of putting together and constructing a scene and going over it again and over again and, over and, and, over and again, and watching again. the same clips and trimming and switching things up. And like my uncle always told me, he told me to, he's like, you should become, you should get into video editing. He's like, they're always looking for editors. It's like, it's it's tough because it is a tough job because you're just sitting in a dark room for like you know a long period of time every day yeah. and like but you're not always um, working on stuff that you want to work on like my brother yeah. Kyle does a lot of corporate video editing right and he he's an editor as well and like when you know I talk to him or I see him doing edits and like you can see sometimes where it's like oh this is grueling like in terms when of- you're doing your own thing like a chloe Zhao making nomadly and then sure that's you you're passionate about it when you're just a gun for hire on something then maybe it's it's a bit tougher of a job right i always liked video editing when i was in film school and and in high school and stuff like that because i I, for me it just gave me something to focus on and like uh because i have a my attention span i i drift a lot too which is why longer movies are, are tougher for me and and things like that when i'm in a theater it's great that's why i miss the theater so much because i you know how strongly 
I feel about people using technology in movie theaters and stuff like that. So I like force myself to focus, but like I always liked video video editing for that reason of just like, because it was so meticulous and you're going over the same thing over and over again. And I feel like you could, I'll look at the clock and like five hours have passed and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. I've been editing for like five hours. I didn't even realize. And it just, it's like a form of time travel for me. But like um, that being said, let's move into film editing. Then I'm going to skip a couple. and won't go back. So the father in nomad land, uh, I agreed with you. I don't know if I said that, but Chloe Zhao should and will, even though Emerald Fennell, like I would love to see her. Don't think she has a chance. Um, I love promising young woman, but um, well, also just thinking about like the, the, the showiness of some of these movies. A lot of these yeah. movies are, are like, I mean, Promising Young Woman is more showy. Probably film the than, showiest, yeah. But Mank is as well, just in terms of in like, a different its presentation. Way, yeah. But you look at something, I mean, even Nomadland is, is showy and it's just visual aesthetic. But you then you look at something like Minari or even, you know, a, 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 another round where it's, it's fascinating that this year, the crop again the crop of nominees are all very distinctly like they're they're different like they don't feel the same and i'm just happy that like you know aaron sorkin was not nominated yeah i agree i agree with that completely um and then for editing yeah the father nomadland uh promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven uh i will go should win the father um will win uh, I'm going to go the father. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love sound of metal uh, also, and I think it's a really sharply made movie um, in terms of its construction and how it flows. It, it's, it, it is very organic for a, a pretty long movie and, and it feels like, you know, you're not sitting there for, you know, two and a half hours. Um, the father, I think an important aspect of that movie working yeah. is the editing and sort of getting you yeah, in the mindset in of Anthony. Review, right? Yeah. Uh, and experiencing what you can only sort of interpret through reading or analysis as what, you know, someone with dementia or Alzheimer's is going through and then kind of twisting that and making it kind of not a thriller, but finding, you know, the horror of living with a disease like that and your brain deteriorating. And it really does do it in a way that's not exploitative and more empathetic. So yeah, I think the father should win and I think it probably will win just based on that. But I could also see them going with, again, Nomadland's a really well edited movie and constructed film. And, um, but yeah, the, I think the father is definitely the standout here. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, let's go back up to documentary feature. Uh, I'm going to lean on you a bit here, Eric. So we have collective uh, Crip, Crip camp, uh, the mole agent, uh, my octopus teacher, and time. Well, <clears throat> Matt, I tweeted about this yesterday, and I have been absolutely dumbfounded by the response towards my uh, octopus teacher. <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah. a very it's it's a really lovely meditative tranquil movie. No, no, I know that. But you know what, though? Like, in some ways, I actually kind of like that because it's not like a social justice movie or something that's kind of very timely. Although, weirdly, the movie I like, one of the movies I like the most is called Time in this category. Um, but it's just weird that this, like, strange little character study is the film. Justice for Dick, man. <laughs> justice for Dick. We'll get there for in a second. But, like, it's just weird that this little sort of 
quirky Netflix movie about, you know, a guy who's kind of burnt out in life and ends up sort of forming this weird relationship with an octopus and, and diving. Um, Cause he's a documentary filmmaker as well. Uh, has become the front runner. I would have sworn that both collective and time, which I think are the better movies um, sort of a journalist procedural thriller that sort of set in Romania and sort of exposes um, uh, corruption, both in the medical community and in the Romanian government. And then time sort of exposing the prison industrial complex and racism within sort of, uh, the law system um, towards people of color, uh, specifically people that are black um, and are, are done in such both a thrilling and powerfully sort of constructed way that watching those movies and, and you haven't been able to shake them. And then on top of that, Dick Johnson is, is dead. Wasn't even nominated. That's you know? my should have won. Like, I'm, I, I'm going off the board and saying <laughs> should win. Dick Johnson. Is well, dead. I mean like there are other movies as well that I, I would love to have considered like bloody nose, empty pockets, yeah. but that's a weird, like hybrid. That was thing. never going to happen. No, that probably, was never going right? to happen. And even like, I know you didn't love the movie, but like David Burns, American utopia again, kind of falls in this weird gray zone. It's like, is it really a is documentary? A doc? yeah. Um, you know, it, it, is it a concert film? That kind of thing. Like, does it qualify for that? It's a concert um, film. But, but, but in terms of like what should definitely have been there and should have been the front runner, Dick Johnson <laughs> Dick is John- dead. It's, it's right there. Kristen Johnson snubbed twice because camera person never even got nominated as well. And I'm like, what does she have to do? It, She's yeah, making some of the best her? movies, but this happens with this category. The films that are either critically praised by, you know, by journalists and, and, and the, the industry end up suffering the most or the ones that are the most successful because remember the, the Mr. Rogers doc yeah. didn't get nominated as well. This always happens where like the, the, the branch resents you know, populist or critically acclaimed films and vote for the movies that are esoteric or weirdly just like, you know, their, their friends movies about, you know, government or something like that. <laughs> um, and, and again, like the, a lot of, like, I really liked Crip Camp as well, but like out of these five nominees that are there, I mean, I think the, the should win is collective followed up very closely by time. Um, but the will win is my octopus teacher. And the whole time this, like this movie now has become a joke because everybody's like, Oh, is this, is this a weird movie about a guy who has like this weird, like sexual fetish towards an (laughs) octopus. And it's not that, but a lot of people have turned it into that, which makes it almost weirdly even more comical that this thing is going to win. Because like, I remember people were like, Oh dude, is this guy going to fuck an octopus? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, I haven't seen it yet, but, um, but again, it's a lovely little movie. That's kind of, it's not demanding. It's beautiful to watch on Netflix. It's, it's gorgeous, but it's such a strange film that has gained, the traction that it has. Like, I don't know why that like it fell onto this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're running a little long and I hate to do this, but do you have anything to say about all the shorts? No, Um, I mean, like I, I I think the Oscar Isaac one will probably win the letter, but I, again, I'm just basing that because again, I don't want to just be like they're short films. So we're not going to talk about them, but I haven't watched any of them. So I can't really add to the conversation uh, with anything. So I think let's just skip over the shorts and then keep going. (laughs) That's the bathroom break. Um, International feature film. So we have another round, better days collective, the man who sold his skin and Kuvadis Ada. Um, I'm just going to go with 
should and will with another round just because it got in on best director i know that's not always how it works like i know a lot of times they'll award something else because they didn't you know x movie got a best picture nom or 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 whatever but i mean last year with parasite winning in one international film right and then one and then one best picture so uh, i'm gonna go with another round uh for both and is that because it's the only one i've seen yes (laughs) well matt uh i will go with uh another round will win um but i think cuvatus uh ada should win and that is a movie about the um bosnian conflict in the late 90s right i remember yeah it is one of the most harrowing and devastating films i saw last year and it it takes a lot out of you but it's also one of the most kind of powerful movies and sort of how it stays with you after watching and there's still things scenes that i'm thinking about in terms of this mother who's an interpreter and, and working with the un to you know save this small village um from you know basically being slaughtered um by this army coming in and again it is it's a hard watch it it asks a lot of you but i also think it's a great movie it's so well directed it's so well acted i kind of wish that that film you know went into other categories as well with directing and acting but um it's it's available now on vod and i highly recommend it but i mean i really loved another round as well and and i think like Again, you know, the, the tragedy surrounding that story is 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 really kind of bittersweet in terms of what uh, Vinterberg was able to do with it. Um, but I just I, I feel like another round is just a really fun, even though it is melancholy at times. Yeah. Um, movie where I think this other one is is I think another round is a movie I could watch more times where Cuvada Sestrada, uh, Ada, uh, pardon me, uh, is just like. It just hits you. It, it it hits you, and it and that mark stays. Um, and also, I mean, like I, I have a personal connection because my dad was in Kosovo in the late '90s and worked for the UN, and and having conversations with him about this movie uh, afterwards um, was kind of uh, important to me because he's never really talked about uh, his work yeah. with both Rwanda and Kosovo, so it kind of opened up that conversation as well. So there's a personal thing there as as well cool. to why I like that movie so much. Nice. Um, makeup and hairstyling. So we have Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. So the same exact – no, not the exact same as costume design. You swap out Hillbilly Elegy for Mulan or vice versa. Um, yeah. So will Hillbilly Elegy be this year's Suicide Squad? Yeah. Maybe. Um, I think Ma Rainey's going to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll give it to Ma Rainey as well um, as for should and, and will. Um, um, for should though, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of liked Emma. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's well done with the, with the, the period effects. I'm trying to think if there was like anything else that wasn't even nominated this, uh, past year for, for makeup, for makeup. Oh, know. promising young woman. Yeah. See, there's another one for costume design, a modern movie that yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Where, where, where it actually like, plays a part narratively speaking, um, in, in terms of, you know, character the choices that the character makes the identity that the character assumes um it's yeah it's weird that that promising young woman uh wasn't nominated for for makeup or costume yeah i think that goes into your exact point earlier of being like you know too modern of a movie where you know i think you know her character's 
costumes are very important to that character's like journey throughout that whole movie. And I feel like, and even how the men are dressed in the movie and just all that kind of stuff plays very much into it. And uh, the same thing goes with makeup and and the hair, but um yeah, if you see with a lot of these things, it's either people you know who are drastically transformed or uh, period pieces and things like that. That's usually what gets nominated. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you that Emma could easily win. Um, <laughs> I could Rainey. see Hillbilly also winning. <laughs> it could, dude. Like again, can we make Amy Adams make a- and Glenn Close look? you know, like yeah. older or drug yeah. addicts. <laughs> exactly. And that's sometimes what wins. Right. And like, it's, it's the, it's, it's the most, right? Like we always talk about this. It's the, the thing most, that is yeah. like subtlety doesn't always come into play with, you know, Academy the Oscars, members or the, yeah. the Oscars in general. It's about like the biggest, the most, the, the, the thing that is the showiest aspect. So if you have costume or makeup that is showy that's on screen it's going to be yeah. nominated or win i mean how bohemian rhapsody didn't win that year yeah, is one a blessing but also just kind of funny that the guy think- who made his fake teeth just punched a wall after um so for original score we have the five bloods mank minari uh news of the world and soul um so you have a double nomination for trent Reznor and atticus ross for um mank and soul and they're sharing um, the soul nomination with uh john batista yep yep john batista and then um you have some greats i thought the news of the world score was great the minari score is great the defied blood score is great so um i think any of these but um for should and will uh, I'm gonna go with Soul. Same should and and, and will Soul. Uh, Minari comes close though, um, in terms of just kind of getting nominated. It's a lovely score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm, but yeah, Resident Ross haven't won yet, have they? Yeah. Or did they? They just won for the Social won? Network. Yeah, they did win for Social Network. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. What a great score. I wasn't sure if they got snubbed there and then they just haven't. No, won they got since, snubbed but... afterwards. It was yeah. I think it like was... it was a while, right? So yeah, because if... I think it was like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. They were projected to win, but didn't. And I remember like the editors for Social Network and the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo won both times around. Um, but yeah, they they won. They've been nominated afterwards, but yeah, they only won the once. Cool. Um, yeah, I think Soul. Who would have thought m- Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails is an Oscar-winning composer? <laughs> yes. Um, I, uh, I, I love that. I love you like <laughs> an animal. <laughs> yeah. There's some other lyrics we could get into that um, I'm just like, yeah, that guy has been nominated for multiple Academy Awards now. So, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Trent Reznor, uh, he's great. Randy Newman. I love his... <laughs> I love the transition into being, you know, a film composer. Like anytime I see his, his name and Atticus Ross's pop up, I know it's probably going to be some sort of banger. And like the, the two scores they were nominated for couldn't be more different. Right. Like I just, I think that's so interesting and they've shown that they don't only have one sound. I mean, everyone knows them for the synthy kind of like nine inch nails sort of ish sounding kind of thing. But um, with Mank, I feel like they did something very classic with it that, you know, also works as much as I don't care about that movie, but doing like a mono soundtrack and then them doing a score with all period specific kind of instruments and stuff like that. And not real and, and kind of breaking from what they normally do. And even in soul sharing that with John Baptiste, who did a lot of the uh, earth stuff. Right. And then yeah, a lot like, of the jazz all, arrangements. Yeah. 
So I think that's really cool. Like collaborating, like they've always done really interesting collaborations too. Like I know on that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, global warming movie that they scored, um, they did it with Gustavo Santiolella who did the last of us score. So I, I sometimes throw that, even though I've never really watched that movie, but, um, I, uh, I think well, it was Love before the score the, though, <laughs> it was before the flood, right? Yeah. Was that what it was called? Yeah. Um, but I'm like, Oh, the composer of last of us, uh, teamed up with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Gotta listen to that. Or even when they did the Halloween, uh, score remix with John Carpenter, I thought was awesome. And I, I, I honestly thought they would bring them in for the Halloween reboot. Um, I know Carpenter came in and, and did the score for that, but like, I thought that would have been a perfect pairing after they did that, you know, remix of the Halloween theme that they would have been done a really, really great job there. But I just, and I mean, their Watchmen score is incredible. And like, so yeah, I, even when they're kind of like, stuff that you maybe wouldn't necessarily associate with them, like doing, you know, Patriot's day or, or waves score is great or like, you know, the sparseness of waves or even, you know, mid nineties, like they, they are really, I was nervous that they might stretch themselves too thin or their sound might become repetitive every time that like, you know, the the same way that Danny Elfman has kind of become a parody of himself um, where he was such a, and then started doing more and more generic stuff, even though like, where that you hasn't happened a, yet, yeah. at least with, with you, Trent Reznor and Adam. With Elfman, you kind of wanted him to get away from it because he was doing the same thing. But then when he did get away from it, you're like, oh, he just kind of sounds like. It's the like, most watered down generic yeah. stuff ever. And he's just taking any job to just, you know, pay the bills or, or make money. It's not, it's not like, I kind of miss the, the early Tim the, Burton. Dun, 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 yeah. Like, the, like, like at least uh, it was something yeah. interesting and unique. And now it's yeah. like. Oh, that was scored very, by Danny Elfman. <laughs> yeah, Fifty basic. Shades of Grey was scored by Danny. Elfman. It's so weird. Yeah, it just randomly when you see his name pop up, you're like, "What? Why?" <laughs> well, I um, would not be able to tell you that that was a Danny Elfman no. score. Uh, original song. Um, so we both said Soul, right? Yeah. Uh, original song, "Fight for You" from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear my voice from the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Husavik from Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. Uh, IOC or scene from the life of head, uh, the life ahead and speak now from one night in Miami. I'm going to go, uh, should win, uh, yeah, yeah, ding dong. Um, <laughs> and, uh, will win, uh, speak now from one night in Miami. I will agree with that. I think that that is, uh, come on, you nominate. I love that. Husevic got a nomination. Like that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And like, it's but going Farrell to be was not nominated. Um, Right, because he didn't perform. He he didn't, didn't write or, or compose write or, the lyrics. But he might perform it because right. they said they're being performed on the uh, pre-show, right? Not yeah. during the ceremony, but like. Can um, you imagine Yaya yeah, yeah, Ding Dong? <laughs> God, I wish that was the song that got nominated. If you were going to nominate one movie, I get why it's Husevic. And, it, um, and it's weird because they, they do nominate, like that branch does nominate kind of like goofy novelty songs, songs dude, you know, yeah. South Park and, and yeah. the Lego movie and things like that. So they're not against, I mean, even them nominating Eurovision is it's, almost like yeah. them having a, a good laugh. You know, I mean, it's a fun song. It's a, it's a lovely song, um, but you know, like it's the it, most actual Eurovision song yeah. in the movie, right? Yeah, but the like, Yaya it, Ding Dong song would have been yeah. an amazing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's wide and long, man. Uh production design. Uh The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, uh, News of the World, and Tenant. Uh uh, you kick this off. I um, think I'm gonna be well, on the same I, page I think as you. Should is the father. I think I agree with I you. I think yeah. the the you know, I'm not leaving my flat, the flat 
plays an important part in terms of the continuity and how it changes and how you observe it and how you're paying attention to what's going on in any one scene. I think it could actually win, but I could also see Ma Rainey winning, but I'm going to go with the father for both should and will win. Although that could bite me in the ass because I think even Mank, Mank could be that weird one where it, it's the the film this year that it, it's nominated for 10 Oscars the most out of any film, but then wins none. I could honestly see that happening, or I could see it getting a couple of these, um, you know, uh, uh, technical awards. Yeah, um, below the like line I, craft stuff. Yeah, yeah, like I could see it winning for this, but I will go should and would with the father. Um, the although I could even see something like Tenant surprising, but I think that'll come in with special effects later. Um, <laughs> the film that saved the industry. Yeah, uh, short film will skip because I haven't watched uh, any of these uh, animated films and the live action ones. You said the Oscar Isaac one is the one that you think will win, just because it has Oscar which... Isaac in it. And that's yeah. I know I'm yeah. being a, it's a, that's a shallow one, but like that's usually where it's like the ones with like an, a name movie star or that's the one the voters will watch, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that sounds bad, but um, it's true. Uh, best sound is this the first year it's lumped together or was that last year no this is the first year year? so best sound uh fuck you editors and designers or whatever it was um (laughs) foley can be lumped in with everything else uh or editors was the other one uh so greyhound mank news of the world soul and sound of metal uh should win for me is sound of metal uh will win i'm gonna just go with my heart and say sound of metal i think sound of metal it's if it loses, I will be upset with yeah, that brand. Like that's the like, one that I'm like, you gotta. It's like it's an integral part of that movie. Yeah. Like the sound design and editing and everything in that movie is so intentional that like I feel like everything else, yeah. But it doesn't distract either. Sound. It's a part of the narrative and it's also innovative in the way that but it's doesn't done. feel like a gimmick doesn't no. feel like any of that like it's all important to the narrative and to the movie that i think like you have to give it this like yeah it would be obscene to give it to anything else like i'm not saying that you know soul obviously has great sound um mank because of the mono soundtrack i think people will really kind of like that they were See, that's more period than, than sound of metal i agree but i think people will like that's the kind of showy kind of stuff yeah that we're talking about yeah. that you know the that, most, that's impressive the most. oh wow they made it sound like a movie from back then whoa and it's just like that's the kind of stuff people um the easy stuff like that's why people in fat suits or people who lose a ton of weight get nominated for best actor or supporting actor transformative performances you go put on a funny wig that you was that person? yeah glenn close that was glenn close wow um so anyways i hope sound of metal does win that visual effects uh love and monsters the midnight sky uh mulan the one and only ivan and tenet um eric i'll kick this to you first but quickly i remember us specifically calling out that i thought the cg in midnight sky was not very good you know what i think it could win oh no i think it's I, i think it's because Clooney is respected even though it's it is clearly not the best of those five uh it probably is the fifth one to be honest yeah, i would pick the one and only ivan over uh, the midnight sky but i think it's because clooney is so well loved and the film like quote unquote has like this emotional arc and is respected uh in in that way and could be it's it's sort of victory there um i think should win 
I mean, I really actually liked Love and Monsters. I would go should win with Love and Monsters just because yeah. of how much I enjoyed it. I don't necessarily think it has the best visual effects. No. But I think like I like that cre- the creature design. It's creative. And, like, I like. and it's interestingly yeah, and it's, used. And it does look really great for the modest budget that it has, right? Like I just feel like it's not Tenet, which had $200 million behind it and, and stuff like and that. And save the right? industry. Like, Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah. Save the industry. I don't, I, for me, should win is Love and Monsters. Will win is Tenet. But um, and I, I and tenants weird because it's a lot of practical visual effects, right? Like, it's which I don't mind of, that either. Yeah. But, but like, I just have this weird feeling that the Midnight Sky will win because it's like, oh, we put the Aurora Borealis in one sequence, and like, <laughs> yeah. But I thought like immediately all the like spaceship stuff in space in general. I'm like, this doesn't look super great. No, but it's and nominated. Then, and then I think Tenet because of a lot of the reverse kind of you know time travel stuff and like even though a lot of the explosions and stuff are you know very much practical that like i i feel like if they're gonna give tenet anything i feel like that's probably i mean it's only nominated for the two things but um i think that's where luckily it wasn't nominated for best sound well i mean the interesting special effect in tenet is that robert pattinson is not even a real person they just kind of digitally added him in he's he's completely computerized but the other one that is i also find fascinating in both makeup and um uh was it visual effects or something else was was pinocchio um yeah it was in um costume design yeah and uh and makeup yeah that is that is a bizarre one to me where it's like <laughs> it's like that one movie that nobody saw gets gets nominated and like no one knew existed, existed. yeah and everybody thinks it's the other Roberto Benigni Pinocchio movie where he plays Pinocchio and not Geppetto um and, and then also just quickly I think another movie that kind of should have been nominated for um editing an original screenplay um is Palm Springs I think that that movie yeah. kind of like it seems like perfect for those two categories. I know it's a bummer that Palm Springs didn't end up anywhere. And that, I mean, that's a, we'll lead right into screenplay. So let's go into original, um, Judas and the black Messiah, Minari, uh, promising young woman, sound of metal and trial of the Chicago seven. And, uh, yeah, Palm Springs is something that they did do a, a hearty campaign for, but I just think maybe it was too slight. Uh, maybe, I don't know, because of Andy Samberg and, uh, well, it's a comedy Malati too. And like, it's yeah. high concept. Um, it just never really carried further than kind of some of the smaller awards, right? Like it won uh, the Indie Spirit for best screen or first screenplay, or yeah, was first it screenplay. just like, yeah, yeah. So, um, which I do think is something the Oscars, like what we talked about with best stunts and best uh, casting, I do, I do like the idea of either a best first feature or best something like that yeah, because the dga um, does that with uh directing and things like that like best directorial debut or best narrative debut because that's another weird thing as well because like sound of metal is a weird one here because it is based on material that hasn't been published but that was based on something that derek cinefrance was going to make with Metalhead. And then that project kind of fell through and Darius Martyr took elements of Metalhead and created Sound of Metal instead. And that's why Sinot France gets, I mean, he's an executive uh, producer, but he gets a story credit. credit. Um, but usually when that kind of stuff happens, they, uh, you know, whether it be Moonlight being based on an unproduced um, one act play or and that's where it gets tricky for me. Based like, on it, a, a, a short, but the short was never meant to be distributed it was meant to be sort of pitched to um 
financers to get the funding to for me the if feature. it's not a published thing it should be an original like if it's right. based on something that's been published or publicly available then i feel like that's when it goes into adapted but like the rules like you said sometimes it falls into one or the other and the, it, usually not, they go adapted if it is if there is something that is pre-existing even if it you are is, adapting it off of something even if it wasn't seen by yeah you know people yeah so I, or if it wasn't I, made I available that. to the public in any way but then whatsoever. if it's a rewrite right so if they take elements from something but they're rewriting it into something else is it adapted by that or is it just a rewrite of that so it's still an original thing i right. think that's where sound of metal fell into that right like you didn't you kind of rewrote the entire thing and took little pieces of it but you're not i don't know it's weird but uh yeah palm springs i would have loved to see here but um for me should win for original screenplay i'm gonna say uh promising young woman uh and will win i'm gonna go with promising young woman okay should win promising young woman will win i'm gonna say promising young woman but i would not be surprised if aaron struck won here because again you know talk 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 yep i uh i'm on the exact same page as you i almost went will win with uh, trial but um i want to believe that they will i think more people like talking about and and actually have a passion for promising young woman than trial the chicago seven um because again like trial chicago seven is one of those movies where it feels like who really like loves this movie that much and how many people do where people like talking about promising young woman even if they don't like the movie like exactly and i feel like it has such a uh uh I don't know, because I go back to the flashier kind of thing or like the more intriguing kind of premise of it all. I'm not saying like Trial of the Chicago 7, a very important moment of history and Sorkin, a great writer. Um, but we've he's won numerous awards. The movie well, he is won just for the social like, network, right? yeah. So, like, and I mean, he's fucking nominated for Molly's Game, adapting that script. So. Yeah, yeah. So I just don't think he needs to. And I feel like something like and the screenplay category is usually when they do award those movies that they know aren't going to like win anywhere else. But we're like, this was a good movie and a good idea, which uh, I and, love. And I, I usually love that about this this category, this branch. But this year it kind of felt like they went weirdly more with traditional stuff because you would think that like Palm Springs or Never Rarely, Sometimes right. Always would be, you know, in contention for that, you know, nomination. It's not going to get the best picture. It's too divisive in other categories, but this is where we'll vote for it. And this is where it will show up and it'll be, you know, a very kind of eclectic group of nominees. But here it feels like they kind of went with what you'd expect to be nominated. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, and then uh, adapted screenplay, we have Borat, subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Um, so some interest, like White Tiger shows up here. It didn't show up anywhere else. Uh, Borat obviously got the Best Supporting Actress nomination. But and it was also, you know, the first Borat was also nominated was, yeah. for uh, adapted screenplay as well. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, or Eric, I did the last one. So you go ahead. I'm going to go with the father for should and will win. Um, I think that okay. it's it's kind of gaining ground. And, and again, people really love that movie. So yeah. Uh, I'll go should win. Yeah, I'm kind of with you should and will on the father. Like, um, 
I, I like Borat being in there, but it's not going to win. Um, I think Nomadland being in there is great, but I don't think that they're going to give it screenplay because it'll it's get not a writer's other things. Movie yeah, first. like it is written. Like we have, you, you, it's not just like you know Chloe Zhao, you know, yeah, pseudo documentary yeah, style or improv. But that's like, what people yeah. will think. Like again, yeah. they're looking for not just the most, but sort of like okay, th- what is the writing here? And when you're talking adapted, like it's something we talked about in our review of the father that it's very well adapted from a stage play, right? Like even though we talked about the editing being a big part of that, I still think, and why I wouldn't go with something like One Night in Miami because One Night in Miami to me just feels too stagey. It's too, it is very well written, and it is a very you know dialogue driven film, um, and that's probably why it got its nomination, but. To me, the father takes something that was existed in a completely different medium and and makes it cinematic. And part of that, a lot of that is the editing, but the script of taking that stage play and going, how does this work on screen? And how do we make this different than the stage version? I think that's what elevates the father to me to be something that go, okay, this took something. And if we're thinking best adapted screenplay, like to me, like Borat two is an original script to me. Sure. It's based on a character pre-existing um, material based on. So I get TV that, series. but like, it just depends on what your definition of the category is. Right. And that's kind of where we talk about like, to me, I don't know. If well, that's where the I, before movies also kind of yeah. fell into place. So they were not. So before, um, Sunset and Before Midnight were nominated and adapted because they were, even though they're sequels. original stories, they're sequels to these to the, the to the first film. Just the characters, on, yeah. yeah, are based on, yeah. And I, I that's what I don't necessarily agree with because that's where I think the rules of adapted and stuff like that just don't necessarily like. To me, if it's adapted, it's from something else, and you're turning it into a movie script. And like, but again, with the rules, what they are. All of these make sense, but um, I, I like your your choice of the father, and I'm going to stick with that as well. Yeah, and my like uh, two movies that I think should be nominated here for adapted screenplay are uh, uh, First Cow and uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, there's a movie that you know we loved and maybe is too weird for most, but um, and Jay Wadley's did, score I think should have been nominated too. But you know, I agree, and Jesse Buckley. Um, but what do I know? So Wadley's score might have been. There might have been too much pre-existing. Of, yeah. So that's the other thing. So this has happened a lot with like Johnny Greenwood, you know, when he composes stuff. Because he uses a lot of classical Thomas music, Anderson. right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you use pre-existing, even if you then composed it yourself or with your, your, you know, your orchestra or whatever, but like it's still using pre-existing material. So a lot of times it gets disqualified, right? Yeah. I think the Grammys are like that for like best song of the year where it's like, you can't use any they won't nominate any song that samples or remixes something even though it's created to be something new um again it's very strange like i just don't think if you use one classical song you should be disqualified as a whole right like you're still making something new because you're viewing the thing as a whole Right. I don't know. But like there's weird rules in a lot of these categories. But um yeah, the father. And then finally, best picture. We're there. Uh hour and forty eight minutes into this. Uh, I was like, oh, this will be a quick one. <laughs> you know, a quick podcast. Just an <laughs> well, hour. quick for us is, um, you know, nearly two yeah. hours, right? Uh so for best picture, we have the father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, 
Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So we've kind of talked about what we think. I think everyone knows that both of us think that Nomadland is the front runner and probably will win. Um, My should win, uh, Promising Young Woman, was my favorite movie of the year last year, so I can't deny that. I will say that as the should win. That being said, I, I obviously, Nomadland, I think, was my number two or number three movie of last year, so like I would be... Totally more than happy to see Chloe Zhao win uh, for Nomadland. And um, and I think that is what will happen. Um, but again, I see a world too where um, something like a, um, like a trial of the Chicago 7. I agree with your theory on if it wasn't Netflix, it probably would win. Uh, but I still think that there is that small chance that this happens at the Oscars all the time where all night we're like, yeah, Nomadland, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao wins best director. Uh, Nomadland's going to win best picture. And then they give it to something like a trial of the Chicago seven. And you're like, huh, I should have seen this coming, but the Oscars uh, are back on their yeah. bullshit after, you yeah. know, Parasite winning last year. It's like, oh, you know, like we, we have we, two, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Um, I, I think should and will win is Nomadland, but I have to say Sound of Metal being nominated for picture just makes me so happy. And um, like, again, it, does not have a shot in that category but it's just nice no. to see it get a best picture nomination uh as well. as well yeah yeah, yeah. I, but i i think sound of metal is just this fascinating like underdog story in so many ways again like almost like it, it's not going to be as successful awards wise like the hurt locker but having you know played at a festival a year before and you know still coming uh, standing that test of time yeah kind of, and, and, even though it's not that old but like no but when but it comes in, to in awards season years yeah. it is like it's you know a movie that takes a, a whole other year to be released um usually that's not in terms of quality but just in terms of like you know and awards point on a streaming service as well yeah the only reason i would be kind of like oh okay well the trial of chicago 7-1 like the 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 silver lining of that for me would be Michael Keaton is in that film. Michael Keaton was also in Birdman, which won best picture and spotlight, which won best picture. So he would be in like three recent best picture winners. And he's already made decade in the last decade. And he's already made history because um, Birdman spotlight and the trial of Chicago seven won best uh, SAG ensemble. So and he was in all three of them. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's like I guess if this trial of Chicago wins, that's like me looking at like the glasses half full. At least there's a Michael Keaton record that might not be broken. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll get I, I, another shot of him going fuck yeah as he's running up to the the podium. Yeah. Um. um but yeah. I I just again knowing the Oscars and everything we talked about right after we saw trial of the Chicago seven, and this would be the year for Netflix to win. If there is one, um, yeah, if, it, if they don't so, win this year, like good, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 one other thing I'm love that cherry didn't get a single nomination when Apple purchased that. As I know, like but a, you know what it um, did? Like a lot of people were thinking because it showed up in the, uh, cinematographer guilds nominations that it could have been. And that would have been again, an example of the most, in, in in a movie in um, anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, chaos walking everything. is a better movie than cherry <laughs> yeah and that's saying something um yeah i i do think at the end of the day that nomadland will win best picture and it'll be a fairly predictable 
night. Like, yeah. I don't know how off we're going to be. I mean, and like, then, the, but, what, what I mean, would famous be really, last words? What would be really amazing words. is if Best Picture happens and we have a similar situation that we did with Moonlight and La La Land. God, remember that? Do you remember watching that live? Yeah, Warren Beatty and, and, and Faye Dunaway. How wild and, that was. Yeah. And how wild it was. But the difference here is the real winner is the F9 trailer. Oh yeah, <laughs> Vin Diesel comes out. John Cena comes out. His just the music plays. What's Vinny doing here? <laughs> and yeah, we're 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 getting close, but without theaters being open, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with any movies, uh, in, at least in Ontario. Um, Eric, that's it. Those are the, our official predictions. Watch us be completely I, wrong. I didn't make note of any of them. I didn't but either. after this, I'll I don't probably care. uh yeah, neither do I really. <laughs> I'll do a prediction sheet. I, and we I'll, I'll I probably... mean we don't care we we care in the sense that we we love talking about it, but we don't care about like, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. No. You know. Like we and, we did an interview with Joey Madison um yeah. on the Untitled Movie Conversations uh back in the summer last year, late summer, early fall. Um, and we were talking about like, you know, award season prospects and, and he is a much more sort of engaged, um, analyst and, and, and journalist when it comes to that stuff. So like, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to follow people, the people I would recommend are Clayton Davis, uh, of variety, Joey Magnuson of awards radar, uh, Nathaniel Rogers of, uh, film they are the Matt best. Rohrbeck and Eric Marchin. No, 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 no. <laughs> those three, those three guys know what they're talking about. So if you really want to kind of be invested in a year long sort of look at the award season and just award season history in general, those are the guys that you want to go to and, and sort of, you know, listen to their podcasts or read their articles. So I, I would recommend that uh, over, over this. This is just, this is us just having fun. Oh, we have fun every year. And I think, you know, I think we both still know what the hell we're talking about, not to the extent of those guys, but yeah. um, I still think that we're very invested and we've seen the majority of these movies. I mean, you have seen, cause you're in a voting guild and maybe I have some news on that soon too, but like um, you've gone and watched, you know, probably 90 percent of these movies like i think there's only a few that you probably haven't right yeah. and then and um, and also i mean like there's like a lot of stuff that we covered throughout the year that was considered awards sort of contenders and that didn't get nominated so like i think like we we probably see more than what most voters do so i i have this feeling like again it's not in every situation it's a case-by-case -case basis but i do think that film critics and 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 journalists who cover movies and review films uh you know on a weekly basis do see more at the at you know in a given year and what makes it important for us to kind of you know to single out those movies that we really truly love it doesn't always work i mean obviously something like i'm thinking of ending things or palm springs you know yeah i just brought up my list of like if there was anything you wanted to shout out but you you made two really good ones like palm springs was in my top 10 i'm thinking of ending things the nest didn't show up anywhere yeah, which, which again like harry coon i think should um, have been nominated for for best actress and and yeah. cinematography and score and like you know we 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 can champion these things and we you know We'll always recommend, you know, you listen to the Untitled Movie reviews for our our thoughts on that kind of stuff. But, you know, w when it comes down to it, that's the most that we can do in terms of advocating for anything. You know, like it's it's 
it's the reviews and the critical praise that you know might make a little dent or at least interest somebody but ultimately it's up to the the award voters and i feel like a lot of the award voters end up you know in the second round once things are nominated start watching things yeah i feel like they'll nominate the stuff that they have seen that they really liked on their nomination sheet and then you know they'll wait and kind of okay here the I'll watch all the best picture nominees. I mean, shout out to Edgar Wright, who is a guy who takes it very, very seriously. And he's very vocal about how he does. And I remember, I think it's at the BAFTAs, BAFTAs or, or yeah. The, uh, yeah, that he, um, he says like, I did it this year. Cause he had the time, <laughs> but he's also pandemic, a movie lover too. Like he and yes, loves and, and, film um, inside and out where some I, people, I think anyone in this industry do it as a job. does, but some people yeah. do consider it more so as a job where like you look at I Edgar agree. Wright, like him posting that fucking photo of his Blu-ray wall. And you're like, okay, this guy lives and breathes movies and would see these he films. He even if he wasn't everyone. in the industry. Yeah. And I remember him saying like, this is the first year in a while where I sat down and made sure that I watched every single thing that was nominated. And I applaud that. So, and I know you're meticulous with that. Like, I know you can't see everything. No, but I try to see as much as I humanly possibly can in any waking day, you know, like it's, it's because again, when you're, when you're welcomed into one of these things, it's, you know, you're, it's it's an honor to be in the Academy or the critics choice association or, or, you know, whatever the kids choice awards, like whatever you vote in, like, I think it's your duty to go like, Oh, I'm not just going to watch the MTV movie awards. Yeah. I'm, I'm not only going to watch the stuff that I'm interested in because then then, it's just like, it's such a narrow point of view because like the thing about film that i love so much is that it can expand your horizons it's not necessarily even films that you're thinking of that are going to get nominated for oscars you should want to watch movies and sort of push like i mean it's fun to watch stuff that's in your comfort zone or rewatch a lot of stuff but it's also nice we're all very guilty watch something different or new and you know if more people saw parasite for the first time and then we're like i need to watch more korean films you know yeah that's that's a win i mean like you know bong joon ho's uh memories of murder is now available on criterion blu-ray for the first time and it you know looks amazing and it's you know more people will hopefully see that movie now because of parasite winning but not just bong joon ho's movies other korean filmmakers so you know like and and again that goes for any kind of movie or new experience like once you've had that and and if you like it and you kind of want to go down that road and see something new or, or continue to see like you know the history of that genre or that country or so on and so forth you can and that's why i love it that's why i love someone like martin scorsese so much because he's a guy that kind of as much as he is a great filmmaker he also cares about the art form and preserving a lot of this stuff so people can go back and you know find things that maybe they want to watch that they have a, a you know that they, they have a blind spot of or that they've kind of been drawn to by some movie that they saw on tv or on a streaming service and want to learn more so yeah, that's I mean that's ultimately what the awards are really good for in terms of getting people to watch stuff that they maybe not watch. Like more people watching Nomadland makes me very happy because maybe more people will go back and watch The Rider, you know, and 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 seek out stuff like that and and see Chloe Zhao's other stuff. So like that's that's the win there. Yeah, I totally agree with you and that's why I've always kind of championed and and like a lot of people shit on award shows and the Oscars, but I 
echo everything you just said. I mean, like, it is still very much quote unquote um, masturbatory in terms of like, you yeah, know, like totally thanking everybody, thanking themselves and sort of, but sometimes when you have a movie that you really do care about and it gets nominated like or, parasite with last year, like, yeah. I feel like that was the perfect example of a movie that, you know, I think a lot of people got behind and didn't think or it could win. And then like your moonlight's another good one. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point, yeah, it, it bring, we forget that we are in this cinephile movie film twitter bubble kind of thing where yeah i mean obviously we saw nomadland and minari and mank and and judas and the black messiah and sound of metal and and trial of chicago seven like of course we watched those how could you not watch those movies but you have to think like the majority of people aren't in that bubble and probably have only seen maybe one or two of these nominees uh for the most part right so i feel like sunday is very important because and that's why they do the um, introducing Minari or whatever, and they give you like a, a clips package. It's a movie trailer because like a large part of that audience has no fucking idea what Minari is. Well, especially like, worldwide as and, well, right? When it's telecast. Yeah. And so I, I really do think it's important for that. It's a, a celebration of movies and, and, and again, why we love them. And I, uh, that's why I, I will always love the Oscars as silly as they kind of are. And like, I'm one of those people that like, I hate gatekeeping and I hate people who are like, I saw it first. You're not allowed to like it now because you're just a fake fan. You, you only watched Nomadland because it won best picture. No, you're an idiot. I want people to enjoy these things that I enjoy. Like jump this on is the bandwagon. Yeah. Get on the bandwagon. I don't fucking care if you don't watch movies all year, but you watch the Oscars. But I was the first go, one to see it at um, Sundance and I knew yeah, then like, that it was going to, I mean, I say that with like sound of metal, but I say it in a way that it's like not like oh i was the first i was just happy I'm just happy to see yeah, that movie exactly. back in in it was such a, a discovery too like when, that's- i think when we talk about it not to be masturbatory for our own selves too but like um we're saying these things because we want to share it with other people and i think film is different um than other you know video games or, or music or things like that but everyone's got their it's a know, weird ownership uh, thing that critics yeah. do have where it's like you know, if they're the first to see it and first review it, it's like, and and they love it. I'm or, guilty or, of it too. I mean, I, I love seeing things early. I love seeing, I, 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 but for me, it's like, I just want to see everything as soon as possible. That's where my excitement right. comes from. So like, yeah, when I'm more motivated when I get a screener that's two weeks out than I am for something that I get on the Wednesday that comes out on the Friday, right? Like, right. it's just, I think that's natural for or that expires people, in 48 hours because then you yeah, have to watch exa- it. Yeah, exactly. Put a gun to my head and say, watch profile now. And like, uh, so anyways, it's like uh, that kind of stuff. So I think, but all in all, I'm very excited to see what um, Sunday looks like and and what will win. And again, it uh, people take this shit too seriously sometimes too. Like it's also okay if the movie you want to win doesn't win and like i feel like we also it doesn't focus change on, the film you know we also focus too much on what didn't get nominated and what doesn't win and which is just the internet in general which is why i should eventually get off twitter but i just yeah, can't film twitter. I just yeah uh, just it's we folk every and it's not just film twitter it's it's just twitter and just the internet well, it's, it's social like media in general social media right? you focus on i'm mad about this rather than Oh, cool. This happened. (laughs) Like, it's just, if your thing doesn't win, let's not focus so much on like, I can't believe this and this didn't win or, or this person got snubbed. Cause like every time nominations comes out, it's not like, holy shit, Nomadland got 
X amount of nominations, or I'm so excited that Promising Young Woman made it into, or the amount of women and, and people of color in the best director category, which were conversations, but I feel like the and immediate it's progressive stuff in terms like, of like, you know, it's about time. Like this is the 93rd year God, and, yeah. and still having like first times for like Steven Yun. And I know even he's said this, that he doesn't like talking about being, you know, like, oh, the first, you know, Asian American actor to be nominated and best actor. He doesn't want to be defined necessarily by that. that. But at the same yeah. time, they're looking, you know, you have, you know, film pundits and awards pundits looking at it because like it's, it, you know, it is a statistic, but it's almost like at the same time, you're like, wow, like it took that long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But also um, it doesn't change again. It doesn't change the movie. Like if Glenn Close wins for Hillbilly Elegy, it doesn't make the movie good all of a sudden. It's not like, you know, she wins the Oscar and we'll rewatch the movie and be like, you know what? This is a good movie now that it's been, you know, uh, deemed an award winner by the Academy. I was wrong all along. No, it's <laughs> yeah. a shitty film. <laughs> yeah, but it is what it is. So anyways, I'm excited for Sunday. We'll be back um, next week um, to do a wrap up probably Monday right after the ceremony. We'll do a um, just kind of a review of the show and and what we thought about all the winners. Uh, will we focus on everything that didn't win? Just like I just talked about. Yep. Um, probably we're guilty of all of that shit too. Um, we're not perfect. Uh, but thank you all for listening. I had a blast, Eric. This is uh, really, really fun. Um, if you guys enjoyed this, uh, we have some reviews that we would love for you guys to go check out right now. We have reviews for the Amazon prime Canada original <laughs> stowaway. <laughs> Also a Netflix original everywhere else. Uh, so Stowaway starring Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, um, da- Daniel Day Kim, um, Shamir, I Anderson. The gen- Shamir Anderson. Um, so go check that out as well as our review for the aforementioned Chaos Walking starring uh, uh, Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland and Mads Mikkelsen. Um, so go check that out. Um, we also have the check- Mitchells versus the machines, which will oh, be, Oh God. Yeah. I should have plugged that on those other two reviews. I'm an yeah. idiot. I forgot that embargo. Dumbass. The- <laughs> uh, Mitchells versus the machines, please. That's a much better review than those other two that I just listed off a movie that Eric and I both really, really, really enjoy probably, um, Right now, it's the only really animated movie that's really come out, but the front runner for best animated picture next year, um, I think it will very much be in that conversation. So uh, that comes out April 30th. The review's up right now. We don't spoil anything really. So uh, please go check that out as well. Uh, please drop us a review on our reviews channel if you would be so kind. We're trying to get the um, the reviews on the reviews channel up uh, this year because we're trying to hit a goal for Tell us the we're fall. great. Tell us you're, we're shit. Um, just we would it. really appreciate it. If you got this far, um, please just take two, yeah, extra two hours and seven minutes. Uh, uh, if you could just pop over to Apple podcasts and hit that five stars, I'd be very eternally grateful. Um, follow us at untitled underscore cast, and you can follow all my work around the internet, but mostly at untitled moviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogertcv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Uh, until next time. And the Oscar goes to Hillbilly Elegy. Podcast. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>